is a hole in the earth, a pod like a hole. That is, greetings to another episode of Pod Like a Hole presents Run the Gamut, Season 3, where three guys on a podcast talk about all of their favorite things in minutiae and detail, and we somehow rope it around into our own personal history and life. Uh, you know, highly original. Highly original, but we're doing it the best. Uh, this is one of the creators of the show, Mark, and uh, I'm always joined by my other two fellow compatriots. Let's go ahead and hear from them. First in the left corner, uh, we have Stephen, Stephen Earl. Tell me, are you out there? I'm out there, and uh, allegedly, starting today, you can find me and both of you and this podcast on Spotify. I haven't found it yet myself, but Spotify told me it's up there. So t- take a look. But right now, right here, I'm also recording the podcast with you. Excellent. We can finally give Joe Rogan a run for his money. We're um, just nipping at his heels in listenership. And then in the other corner, we have... Uh, I don't know what he's weighing in at, but he's always the the guy that keeps us honest the guy that always makes sure to do the research and not winging it. Uh, that would be the scholar, the professor, Eric Monroe. Oh, that was, that was flattering, Mark. That's, that's very nice. I, I'm going to take that as a promotion from intern to professor. Um, I don't know if you have any paperwork to back up that, but I'll take it and run with it. Eric's here and excited to uh, enjoy my new uh, position as professor. Well, I mean, speaking, I, speaking of, uh, you know, what you're weighing in at. I do have your most recent report from our medical division. And uh, the note just said, lose some weight. So I don't know. Little, little, uh, little, little, the doctor's a little curt here. He seems to forget that we've all been living inside for over a year now, but uh, I thought that was, that was confidential file, but apparently it's uh, you you bosses need to know and you're on a need to know basis. Yeah. I, I should probably drop, drop a few LBs. Thanks for bringing it up. Well, because of, I guess, that doctor's recommendation, I guess we're going to have to withhold on the promotion uh, just for health medical reasons. Kind of like when a player gets traded to a new team, they have to pass medical clearance. And in this regard, we're still going to leave you at the teacher's assistant. Mm. Uh, So maybe next time, maybe next time. You know, the the worst part about it all is that I am, I've been promoted a lot and I am also much larger than you, Eric, but I just keep getting promotions. So, uh, you know. That's just uh, hypocrisy abound. I'm sorry. You can you can put a, a complaint letter in the box, but you know what we do with that? We just throw it in the river. So, sure. I mean, right I the shredder. I thought maybe the fact that I'm the only one out of the three of us that stands for the entire recording of of these that would help me uh, burn some calories, but it doesn't help when I'm pounding beers and eating bags of combos while we talk. <laughs> well, honestly, both those things I approve of the uh, bags of combos and beer, or uh, bags of beer. And, uh, but I, I told you months ago, I got a standing desk. I've been standing for months as well. And, uh, you using that as some kind of, uh, you know, bonus point. Now that's a whole other reprimanding you're going to get. I have to, all, all the, all the paperwork's getting changed tonight. And anyhow, Mark, carry on. See, I'm going the opposite route. I've already, uh, you know, got Elon Musk on the blower and he made me one of those big old floating chairs that you see in Wally. So I'm just working my way to be one of those fleshy, cartoony, balloony things. 
Mark, you couldn't, you couldn't get, you could not, you could not get fat if you like tried every day of your life to get fat. Like your body, it is not built for it. Your bone structure just isn't, it, it's, it can't happen. You know, uh, this is a perfect segue to, uh, you know, it's like the beginning uh, part of the fat music video by Weird Al. Sure. <laughs> ding dong, yo, ding dong. <laughs> it all comes back to the weirdest of owls. Um, all right. So tonight, folks, um, we are going to be talking about one of our favorite bands uh, nominated by yours truly. And that would be Sacramento's own The Deftones. And uh, before you uh, immediately skip, you may have some preconceived notions about The Deftones that we hope to shatter tonight. Um, and not only is it going to be the opinion of three men, uh, behind a microphone. Um, it is actually, if you look around and you just search the internet for how great the Deftones are, you are going to be awash, knee-deep, a tsunami of positive reviews of the Deftones. So buckle up, and uh, we're going to talk tonight about their third record, which is seen as their flagship record, the one that really put them onto the map. Uh, is White Pony from the year 2000. Um, so, kind of how we're going to do it, uh, as you have seen from our last couple episodes, we're going to do this kind of in two parts. Part one, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Deftones, how we have come to discover them, and in the next episode, we will go track by track into White Pony. Um I feel like this new format does give you guys uh, or gals out there, our faithful audience, a chance to potentially listen to the record after you hear a little bit of us uh, talk about the band. And that way you come into that discussion, either shouting at your uh, podcast player saying how wrong we are or how right we are, and maybe make this a little bit more interactive. And plus for the editing side of things, we don't have to sit down and edit a three hour episode um, but if you prefer, you know, the hardcore history um, length of our show, certainly let us know and we can revert back. Um, I was just going to say, I got some good notes today from a uh, friend of the show and longtime listener, Michael Komonos, said he really likes our new format. Uh, he was listening to the clipping episode. He said he was stoked. It made him stoked for the album. Um, but, you know, it was a nice little bite sized chunk uh, before before the track by track. And he he uh, appreciated the uh, the change. Yeah, you know, uh, much much like the album White Pony, which speaks of metamorphosis quite a bit. Uh, never let it be said that we're stuck in our ways and that we can't change. And I, I just thought about it for a while. I mean, it benefits everybody. And it's easier for it's it's, gonna, it's one conversation for us, even if we pretend it's not. So we get enough content there from one discussion and we can spread it out. But also uh, podcast listeners are weird, man. Like I have a few podcasts that are my favorite shows. And I will grind through them. I will hit pause, come back to it two days later if I have to. My favorite podcast, if they're four hours long, I will listen to all of it. But there's a lot of people out there that if you're too long, they don't even bother. They don't. They get they get frightened if they see like a two hour podcast. It's it's strange. Um, it's like uh, you know these days the kids don't even want to answer a phone call. When the phone rings, they just look at it and they sweat. That's how some people are with long podcasts. And we're trying. <laughs> To meet you in the middle, folks. So I, I hope I hope it works out. And also, yeah, tonight we'll be going over the uh, the history of the Deftones and 
as Sacramentans, our personal feelings about them. And uh, a little brief uh, discussion on their, disc- on their discography. We can't promise that every band we talk about, we're going to talk about their entire discography. But, uh, you know, when we have to, we will. And so we'll do a little bit of that tonight. When the passion finds us, uh, it just sometimes the creativity uh, just spews out of us, oozes like we're just trying to teach everyone, convert them, just spreading the good word. And uh, somehow in the last couple of weeks when we've been listening to the Deftones, the conversation about this band just kind of expanded into the whole career of them. Uh, rather than just simply focusing on just a snapshot of them. Uh, not so much where we're going to do like a Nick Cave thing, but to a certain extent, the Nick Cave thing was kind of a template to the new format. So here we go. Uh, but before we get started, um, Eric, is there any housekeeping uh, items on the Newswire? No. <clears throat> no, uh, there's Bowie Bulletin. Uh, the Width of a Circle EP just came out this week. I have not heard it. But if you like that era of... Um, of uh, Bowie music. Uh, there's a whole uh, unreleased uh, like uh, little EP out there for you to check out. Well, I'd have to say out of all the, all the bands we, we, we cover um, not a lot going on. More bands are touring as uh, unfortunately, some bands are still shaking their tour dates up now that we're all getting vaccinated. Uh, Romstein got pushed to next year. That, that, that upsets me again. Um, but the Aftershock Festival is still happening in Sacramento at Discovery Park. My wife, would, she's not allowing me to go. She doesn't care how many vaccinations I have. That's uh, too soon. Too much too soon. The, uh, the Aftershock Festival is. Mm. Mm. But one of the bands on there is Gojira, a band that I've pushed upon both of you. And you gave their most recent record uh, glowing reviews, which I was glad to hear. And I wanted to note that Gojira will be touring with the Deftones this this summer as well. So that's pretty Kurt, awesome. I think they're going to be Kurt in news. Uh, in our Northern California neck of the woods um, come September. I looked at the dates. On yeah, that. they're going. They're going to be in in San Francisco and and after the the new record that I like, and then our uh, Deftones extravaganza we've gone through. I'm I'm, I'm going to try to see if I can get get the old lady to let me just go to that show. I mean, come on. It'll be just two bands there indoor. I'll wear, I'll wear my mask, even though I'm vaccinated still. I, I trust, I trust the Deftones Gojira crowd much more than I trust the Aftershock Discovery Park crowd. I mean, oh yeah. There might be some, some flat earthers there, uh, which I feel like is a, sl- well, there's <laughs> definitely going to be, there's, there's one very proud one. And, uh, if he's listening, Hey, we're a fan guy, but, uh, yeah, the earth is round, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too difficult for him to believe um, that we're on a blue marble just spinning in space. It makes more sense if we're on a piece of paper flinting in, uh, you know, in space. You know, much like, much like he did his research reading Guitar World and learning those riffs, he did his research online and he's seen the evidence, Mark. All right. Also, I mean, do you can't are, argue with that? Come on. All these forest fires the last couple of years, really, Mark? Space lasers. Uh, yeah, exactly. And there's evidence on there. Google it. I've seen it. <laughs> oh. Well, this much is known. We can all agree that birds aren't real. Am I right? Okay. And Wyoming <laughs> doesn't exist. Those uh, are the true truth bombs out there. Okay. There, there's a conspiracy um, for anyone. And it's it's a great time. What a time to be alive. 
What a time. Uh, the next uh, little segment before we get into the meat, uh, it's the, uh, I think Michael may have even recommended a, a title for this particular segment. Oh, it's yeah. work in progress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plug like a, uh, plug, plug like a hole. Yeah. And this is the rec- the recommendation section uh, for, if we're listening to any mu- new music to recommend. Brought to you by Tampax Tampons. Plug like a hole, because sometimes you got to plug that hole. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> that was my Jim Brockmeyer. Uh, uh, that's a um, that is something Brockmeyer would actually say, and we'll leave it up to Mark if he wants to leave that in. Uh, Brockmeyer was a good show. Is that your recommendation, Mark? Uh, you know, actually, for the last two weeks, um, no, my recommendation is there's a great new docu series um, on that Apple TV Plus streaming subscription thing. Uh, I, I do recommend it's uh, if you're a big fan of the Bowie season that we did, um, there are uh, peppers throughout of his transformation from being the uh, guy that wore dresses and looked like Lauren Bacall as someone described him um, and uh, how he essentially was changing his way and going into David Bowie. There's some Mark Boland talk. There's some good Iggy stuff in there. Some Lou Reed stuff, but 1971, the year that music changed everything. It's an eight-part docu-series. Um, I do recommend it. It was a pretty good um, documentary, so that's what I recommend. That's my plug. Eric, what do you got? Uh, thank you. Um, you know, funny, the Deftones listening just kind of took over my week. Um, but... Uh, I did check out um, that new uh, uh, band I like is, uh, or not a band, it's a guy, French French gentleman, electronic artist, uh, Pertubator. Uh, Steve actually, I think, was listening to some of it and reminded me that there was a new album. Um, they're usually uh, very, uh, I would say, uh, electronic, instrumental, um, but like definitely more newfangled. Um, but the new album is has guitar on it. It's a little bit more uh, like uh, gothic, dark, wavy. Um, and it's called... Holy shit. Hold on a second. Don't have it. I didn't... Okay, Jesus. Uh, I don't have it here. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's called... It's called so... Okay, Jesus. Interesting. It's called... Okay. <laughs> it's called... It's called... Uh... It's DC Pox version of Okay. Oh, God. It's, it's actually the most gothy title ever. It's called Lustful Sacraments. So there you go. <laughs> I actually, I, I listened to that album. Um, it wasn't that bad for what it was. And the way I found out about him this, this week was because I, I read about him in Kerrang.com, who are big fans of the Deftones. And the article is something about, like, Perturbator, bringing uh, electro people and metalheads together. And I, I gave it a shot, and I liked it. And I was like, hey, Eric, you heard of this guy? And of course he did. And oddly enough, I finally de- uh, finished the the game Hotline Miami that's, like, 10 years old. And in the credits, uh, he did some of the music there, too. I had no idea. Yeah. No, yeah, he's, yeah, the, he's like, uh, kind of in that health category where they cross over with video game music quite a bit. Fantastic. Uh, my my plug is actually uh, going back to what got me into podcasts was comic books. And I recently 
dove back in and started all over. And I'm reading up through the book called Lazarus, which is by a uh, writer named Greg Rucka, who created uh, the the book Stumptown, which had a short-lived TV show that was uh, pretty good, and uh, artist Michael Lark. And I've been reading through it again. I don't read comics as much as I used to, but it's nice to find something that is ran for a few years and, and pour over it. And it's a dystopian story about uh, rival families that have all the wealth of the world. And so the billionaires kind of uh, run everything. And it's like it's like if if you took Jeff Bezos and Game of Thrones and smashed them together. That sounds terrible, but it actually works out well. Uh, and the Lazarus are these agents that the families employ or create, actually genetically that uh, can die and get reborn that do all their bidding. Um, good, good Blade Runner-esque uh, socio-economical sci-fi Lazarus. All right. So we got our plugs out of the way. It is time to talk Deftones, the old Deftones. So um, the Deftones, let's just break it down. They are from Sacramento. Uh, they currently include Stephen Carpenter on guitar, Abe Cunningham on drums, Chino Moreno on vocals, Frank Delgado on keyboards and, uh, the old turntable, uh, and Sergio Vega is their bass player. But, uh, previously and how I came to know the Deftones, we had Chi Chang on bass and in 2013, he had passed away, um, after having a, a uh, really, really bad car accident in 2008 that left him essentially kind of in a half-state coma. Um, and he had some severe brain damage, and he likely wasn't ever going to rejoin the band, um, but it, it was a sad story all around. Um, but they also had Dominic Garcia and John Taylor as their past members, and they went to a high school that... Um, I know in name, uh, it's CK McClatchy high school. So if anyone in Sacramento went to there, I'm sure that, uh, maybe there's a plaque or something, um, of the Deftones went here. <laughs> so, I mean, they started like Deftones, their origin story starts in 1988. And, um, you know, we were just seven years old, eight years old, and they were on their way to becoming a, huge representative of Sacramento. I mean, I would, I would certainly say Deftones. Yes. Tesla. Um, Papa Rocher from Vacaville, but you kind of get lumped into Sacramento area. Um, but I would say that Deftones are by far probably one of the biggest bands to come out of this area. I don't know. Would you guys agree? Oh, they're the, yeah, they're the biggest band that ever came out of the area. I mean, Papa Roach had their moment in the sun, and they're still around, but even if you consider they are from Vacaville, but even if you said they're from Sacramento, they still didn't make it as big. And yes, Tesla was fun. Tesla definitely was nationally known, but that was for a brief period of time in the late 80s and the kind of the early 90s. And then Tesla kind of went away. Yeah. And they got their name. I mean, it's kind of a play on the word tone deaf, uh, but it's also from those old type of bands like Dick Dale and the Deltones, uh, the Monotones. Um, so it kind of harkens back to that old kind of, I would say guitar based 
fifties rock, even though they don't sound anything like that. Sure. Stephen Carpenter uh, is kind of the driving force of this band, I would say. Um, and we could talk a little bit about Stephen Carpenter throughout here. He's he's a madman. Um, he's uh, definitely got his own views on things. I'll be honest. Uh, he seems like a really like nice guy, but he goes on these podcasts that are really about conspiracy theories. And yes, he is a flat earther. He's an anti-vaxxer. He's an anti-masker. He thinks COVID is kind of overblown. Um, and then on the other end of things, I, I would say that Chino Moreno, who certainly had his ups and downs with drugs and alcohol. I think that's pretty much on record. Uh, he doesn't seem that way at all. He seems like a pretty logical kind of guy. Uh, and, you know, he's very prolific. He likes to work with quite a lot of his uh, friends. Uh, went on to do some side projects, Team Sleep. Uh, one band that I'm particularly fond of is Crosses. He uh, formed that with Sean Lopez from FAR. And uh, Palms. Uh, Palms was kind of a collection of folks that... Uh, came from ISIS, not the terrorist group, but the band. Mm-hmm. Always have to. We always have to establish that. Yeah, no, not always. Would, yeah, I'm sure that's why, why they, they broke up. No, no, it's not. I don't think it's why they broke up. But two years ago, when they uh, reunited, they named themselves Celestial for that exact reason uh, <laughs> for for one show. But yeah, Stephen Carpet. You know, let's talk about the band a little bit, like in particular the guys. But yes, yeah, Ste- Stephen or Steph Carpenter. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, he seems to have lately become one of uh, those people. We have all got one in our lives and uh, we can't write them all off. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think he was always that way. I don't I don't know. But guy's a great artist and uh, generally seems like a good human being. Uh, let's uh, yeah, for the rest of the night, we're not going to dwell on his. Uh, they're not political views. They're reality views or lack yeah. thereof. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just very bizarre. It's but, uh, uh, just on that really quick. Uh, one thing that didn't make the cut for those that listened to the uh, Sacramento music bonus episode we made with interview with Sean Bivens is he was talking a little bit about how conspiracy theory has infiltrated the metal uh, and rock communities. Um, like just in the sense that like uh, he, he could like <laughs> over the last couple of years, he like lost track of how many times he had to just tell somebody stop. No, I'm not. We're not just I don't want to talk about that. Like like it's like not just with uh, with uh, Stephen, uh, but from other people in the community. Uh, it's it's the, the conspiracy theories are out there and in the metal community. And, um, you know, good, well, good, good on well, Sean for it, shutting is it, it down. <laughs> is, is it just the metal community or is it every community now? Is, is this, That's uh, a good I mean, it, it might be it might be. I mean, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Pike has been talking about lizard people for years, but uh Beyond that, I feel like I've been hearing a lot more about, uh, you know, 5G from uh, non-metal people. That's true. Um, That's true. Anyhow, yeah, it's uh, it's exhausting. Uh, yeah, Steph Carpenter, though, his his guitar playing is uh, it's very interesting. The guy can get incredibly heavy, but he also, I, I don't attribute all of the melodies and the indiness of this band to Chino. I think you can tell from listening to him that he, he has a, a vast... Uh, uh, I don't know, templative tastes. And he really does a great job of, even though he can write some riffs that'll kill you, he really knows how to let things breathe when uh, when he needs to. It's a, it's a really interesting style of guitar playing, I think. 
And you know who I will, and I agree with you, Steve. Uh, 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 it's it's pretty, um, it's a huge experience what what he adds to the album. And I would say his his back and forth with uh, the DJ slash keyboard player was Frank Delgado is um, is something because at this time in I guess radio rock, uh, you know, coming up in the late nineties. You know, rock bands would have uh, new metal bands would have like a DJ, and they were always you know cutting cutting stuff. And Frank maybe did a little bit of that, but he pretty much immediately went to negative space and how to add ambiance. He adds keyboard riffs, but it's not riffs; it's it's background uh, it's background mystique. And sometimes when he's scratching, he's like just running a record backwards just to add a little intrigue. He's not, it's not a show offy thing at all. And I, and I think he's um, at, as you know, as we talk about this album, he's at some points an unsung hero only because it's so easy to not even realize how much he's doing. Oh yeah. I, th- I think he's definitely a sung hero by this point. It's uh, they added, you know, he was on, I don't know how much of the first record he was on. I know he was on parts of the second record. And then by the third record, he was definitely a full-time member. Um, and definitely was the secret sauce that helped make them start selling uh, the hamburgers they were making for lack of a better term. Yeah. Frank Delgado is great. And you can tell, I mean, he, he, he's friends with uh, DJ crook who's in team sleep, which is a, a much more uh, ambient ish record, but you, you can kind of see like, you know, they wanted DJ shadow to be remixing the white pony. It didn't happen until this year. But you can kind of tell that like the 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 area that guy comes from is that uh, uh, ambient, lack of a better term, world of DJing, shading, soundscapes. And uh, he's great, you know, and over the years, added keyboards and awesome part of the band. So then you got Abe Cunningham. And as the metal guy on the show, uh, I always have always been a fan of the Deftones, but I, I for actually years. I, I never really paid attention to the drums and I, sometimes I'd even be like, ah, oh, come on, man. Can't you just get a little, uh, can't you just see some more double kicks or something? And in this recent run through of going through them, I have to say that, uh, this guy is incredibly underappreciated. If you, if you ask me, I think he's a great drummer. He uh, has some jazz and some hip hop tendencies, obviously, but he can actually hit hard like John Bonham hard when he wants to. And, uh, he's good. What do you, what do you guys think about uh, Abe Cunningham's work? When we get to our history of it, he's one of the first things I noticed about the Deftones. Um, but coming from a non-metalhead background, um, I thought he worked for this. But yeah, he's you know he's a little more nuanced than maybe than maybe a you know a big metal drummer. Um, I also really liked his uh, you you one of you guys found that video that's online of them going around to Sacramento bars like showing off their favorite haunts. Um, a it was cool like half of them they went to are like places that we all enjoy uh backdoor lounge and 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 such uh but he was he was pretty into, he was pretty funny in that kept referring to himself as heavy metal rocker and that's that's, no, that's yeah i found that was on revolver.com i think it was from the first aftershock festival some promotional stuff it was him and frank delgado and yeah they went to the backdoor lounge which we love and yeah you know these these guys are all we're speaking about them on a podcast tonight where we go over bands and their histories and uh, the members and yeah, this is one where, you know, we're we're about two degrees of separation from some of these guys. And that, that's kind of fun. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've bumped into them 
at places before, but we have friends that have are friends of them. But uh, that doesn't change our opinion of them. The, uh, the 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 music stands for itself, despite where they came from or who they know. It's it's good stuff. Um, and that uh, that's so the current bass player uh, Sergio Vega. Um, I think he does a great job. He was in Quicksand before. Quicksand was always a band I knew I was supposed to listen to more, but I never did. You got you guys have those bands where you're like, oh, I'm supposed to listen to those guys, but I, Clutch I never got is around that to band them. for me. Clutch. Clutch is a, I think Clutch is like that band for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, Clutch is Clutch is kind of like if you take Mastodon and mix them with the Black Keys. <laughs> I don't know how else to put them. They're uh, they're they're fun. And uh, well, Eric, you know, you made you made some comments of of him compared to uh, the, the the previous, you know, the situation with the uh, the Chi. Chi, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, Chi is Chi, Chi was kind of like. I wouldn't say he was the heart and the soul of the band. That's dramatic. But that guy definitely, I mean, he definitely, he had giant dreadlocks. He was a great player. He, I felt like he played with his fingers a lot. Yeah. He didn't pick a lot. And I thought yeah. you really hear that in a lot of their work. And I love it. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a meat and potatoes bass player. Um, he's not showy, um, but you know, for a group that also incorporates elements of hip hop, he always knew when to like land that, that drop D, you know, like he, 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 he was very effective, but I do like, uh, Sergio, uh, Vega, the new guy. Um, I just noticed that when he takes over on what album, uh, is his first one, Diamondize, Diamondize from there on out, there is a jazzy element to it. Bass playing. It's a little bit more showy, um, but it works for the kind of atmosphere of those albums. Um, and I, 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 I love them both. I just think he he added kind of a different element. Um, and uh, obviously some tragedy would happen to uh, to Chi. But um, yeah, he was uh, he was solid. That leaves uh, Chino Moreno, the most well-known member of the band, the vocalist, uh, as of the White Pony, the rhythm guitarist. And uh, I think he's kind of under underappreciated as a vocalist. He's very well known. He guests on a lot of stuff. He's a if you go to the Chino Moreno guest spots, there's tons of them. He can it, he can scream, he can sing softly, he can croon. Uh, his lyrics sometimes are very abstract, a little bit uh, uh, horrific. But uh, he's an interesting cat, and I also appreciate the fact that I I'm fairly certain that he's had a goatee from the year 1995 until now. Uh, that actually, much to my wife's chagrin, inspired me to shave my facial hair back to a goatee for the first time in uh, like 20 years. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, man. Are you still rocking it? Are you still rocking oh, yeah. it? Yeah. No, oh, it's, 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 it's my new look. Steven from me, the I'll mirror have... universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you'll have but... a big uh, chalkboard eraser hanging off your chin. I love it. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot of gray in it. When they start to have gray in it, it's more respectable if that's possible with a goatee. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, Chino's great. I, I just, uh, you know, the guy loves to wear black T-shirts and uh, Dickies, or he did for many years. I don't know what the hell he's wearing now, but uh, you can't beat him. I, I, I think he's a he's a great vocalist. Uh, I think they added Frank Delgado to the band just so they had five members. So in every promo shot, he could stand in the middle of the shot. Uh, if you see any photo of them, it's always he's in the middle. Speaking of what Chino, Chino's wearing, uh, we did we did throw a net out there for any listeners from the Sacramento area to share some, any stories they may have. And, um, 
friend of the show, friend of the family, uh, Lauren uh, Wiest, uh, who I think we all know, um, she she's a massive fan and, and like saw them back in like uh, house party days when they were playing house parties. But she she used to work at um, the Tower Cafe. Tower Theater is an awesome little like art house theater here in Sacramento. And it has a, you know, a big restaurant attached to it. And she used to work there. He would come in for brunch uh, every weekend and apparently wear big, fluffy cheetah print slippers every time he came in. You know, the music scene at 95 was, well, we're from the, we're from Sacramento, which is a, uh... Northern California, but it's close to like uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco. So uh, a lot of what was going on in the Bay Area, uh, you know, Oakland, you know, Berkeley, like just that whole area, we were we were influenced by, um, which bands like uh, at the time, like well, obviously Metallica is from there, but like Faith No More, for instance. Um, uh, there was a lot of like funk influence, you know, from there too, which um, which to us was kind of, um, you know, our early roots. I think um, musically come from a lot of different places, but. Um, one of the, the things that really is like rhythm driven you know, music um, as far as like um, like we always looked at making riffs or whatever we we're making that had like you could nod your head to it had you know beat pulse to it and uh, that's from listening I think like the early rap music and, and whatever yeah he does have that uh, vocal style where a lot of whisper to shout kind of similar to kind of the pixies um, very breathy vocals yeah bra- I was gonna um, say breathy but um, but he goes back and forth from uh, screaming, but like in tune screaming, which is harder to do than you would think to, uh, to breathy, like, uh, almost like, um, you know, uh, croony, like new romantic croony stuff. But the, the band themselves, I mean, they, they're from Sacramento. They were the, the nucleus were all high school friends, right? Pretty much, yeah. They all, uh, Abe, uh, Steph, and uh, Chino all went to the same high school. Um, but yeah, CK McClatchy, they, that's when they recruited, um, Dominic Garcia, um, uh, to play bass. Um, Cunningham actually left to join Fallacy, another band that got a resurgence when Chino, after White Pony formed Team Sleep. And, uh, we, me and Steven saw Team Sleep play at the, like the Alhambra theater. And that was a fun show. And the Alhambra or was it the, uh. What's that the was, is that, col- is that colonial the, colonial may, may have been the colonial yeah it was like a really run down yeah exactly it was the colonial yeah. I saw some shows we saw some shows there I saw some shows with Eric there always really hot there I think I saw backdoor wrestling there one or backyard wrestling in there once um, of course you fucking did <laughs> yeah that, that was a fun show and uh, fallacy. Total, total, total Sacramento band name, by the way. That's a, that's a total early 90s Sacramento style band name. And also, I cannot think of it without thinking of uh, Breaking Bad when Jesse Pinkman runs into like an old member from his old band and they talk about their one song was Fallacies and he starts like singing it. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> I I mean, that's a deep cut right there. <laughs> but, oh, Fallacies. Um... <laughs> But at that time, if you uh, look at some of their early music videos that they did for Adrenaline, I think Chino had dreadlocks back then. Um, so they kind of got lumped into uh, the whole new metal uh, wave that was really coming through with, um, I don't know if Korn was like the first band that seemed to hit with that. 
Um, oh yeah, I, I think so. I mean, all those corn is definitely, I think the Godfathers. Uh, they're right in the Deftones were the little brothers with like Limp Bizkit behind them. But I mean, that whole genre there, De- Deftones were definitely part of the new new metal genre. Um, and we'll get to Adrenaline's specifics and why it still was a little bit more than that. But yeah, that that was uh, they were they were part of the whole new metal scene with a corn, Limp Bizkit, uh, God Head PE. Yeah, and I would say I would. It's not just the Dreads. Um, you know, they were there was a look right, Adidas, Dickies, as we talked about. I I, I watched. <laughs> Steve sent me a clip of uh, was it uh, Seven Dust concert yes and chino comes up and he's he's got like a skater backpack on like like and he takes it off first before he starts like he just he probably has dressed the same way since he was 15 and um i mean it's honestly i was like like, it's still a good look but that kind of did take over like the new the whole new metal look for a while no doubt about it yeah no they they definitely were part of the new metal scene they weren't afraid to talk about skateboarding or rapping um you know, rapping in, in a little hard rock thing that was, you know, it was, it was cutting edge back then. Yeah. We're not going to spend the podcast talking about the specifics of new metal, but it was a genre of metal and new metal from the nineties that we all remember in the early aughts. And, uh, I, I own many albums from that scene. I went and saw many bands from that scene. I, I, I loved it. I, I, I couldn't get enough of it for a while. And, uh, corn were definitely the very first band, I think. Um, if you were to try to track it back, I'm sure there's some band we never heard of that were the true new metal band, but who really wants to take credit for being the fathers of new metal? I mean, <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's, it's, it's pretty much the red hot chili peppers plus early faith. No more. That's a, yeah. you know, yeah, if you think about a lot it. Of these, these bands side as influences. Uh, early corn was fun. I've, I've listened to many a corn record since they've had longevity. Uh, not that they really, like corn, corn hits like a good like average grade that I find is still respectable enough that I'll listen to them. Uh, we've talked about that in the show before. Um, you know, Slipknot was one of the big bands that came in towards the end of it in the like nineteen ninety nine that became like the biggest new metal band I think. As far as uh, uh, to this day, they still sell like crazy. Um, With less emphasis on like the rap and hip hop as they evolved, though. I, I yeah, mean, exactly. It was yeah. just it was they were more part of like you know Ross Robinson produced their Ross album. Robinson. Yeah, they were yeah. they were very angry, and um, that's what new metal a lot. New metal was a lot of a drop D tuning and anger. That was a lot of it and rapping. Ross know? Robinson at that time. I mean, even though he never worked with the Deftones, um, uh, yeah, he, he did was one. He did one song on uh, Adrenaline. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, I always attribute Terry date with, um, and he's not like a, I mean, but Ross Robinson was like the, uh, his name, fuck Rick Rubin of new metal. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to work with Ross Cole chamber, limp biscuit, early slipknot, uh, God, limp biscuit and limp biscuit. And we're going to talk about them more when we talk about white pony, because, uh, Limp Bizkit became to represent everything terrible about new metal, I think. And um, I, 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 Ross Robinson produced their first few records. And I, I do think that the, uh, the song um, Mini Maggot is a, is a direct dismissal and like evolution from the new metal sound that, uh, that bands like Limp Bizkit couldn't figure out how to just uh, get past. But I don't want to talk about new metal all night. 
Uh, we're going to do a system of a down episode one day and we can talk about it more then. But I do want to say today, Mark, that speaking of Limp Biscuit, I did say, Surrey, play me some Limp Biscuit <laughs> because uh, of this, this episode. Sure. And it played that goddamn song from uh, Mission Impossible 2. Take a, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. take a look around. Yes. I know. West know. Bor- exactly. West Borland's uh, riffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the king of the delay, that, that West Borland. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy wasted so much talent on that damn band. God, um, I know. Like, uh, I hear you, man. I know. Significant Other and $3 Bill, y'all, is essentially how far I went into Limp Biscuit. But once Chocolate Starfish came out, I was like, nope, I this is where I get off. I, oh, they're, those are, I don't know. They're, they're, they're really not. The, the, when you take away the glow of being 15, they are not good records, even those early ones. I dabbled. What got what had me check it out was the song with Method Man because I was a big fan of Method Man. Yeah, uh, I think that was on Significant Other, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. It had many it was. Gu- many guest stars. Yeah. And uh, actually, the he said, she said, bullshit. Oh God! There you go. There you uh, go. It's actually uh, I, I'm ashamed to say, and we'll get to our histories in a minute. But uh, the closest I've ever come to seeing Deftones live in concert was fucking Limp Biscuit and Family Values tour covered one minute of Around the Fur. And then he's like, fuck yeah, Sacramento, Deftones, fuck yeah. And they went to the next song. <laughs> oh, Fred, Fred Durst. Durst. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was, the, that was the same show with Primus and Filter. Um, and Method Man Red Man. Yep. It was, yeah. uh, and Stained, which was boring. Boring they music. Were all, Stained was also part of the, uh, the new metal craze. Enough about new metal. Uh, so the, the Deftones were lumped into it. We all know about it. And then with White Pony, they broke free, if you will. Um, they sold, you know, the Adrenaline and then Around the Fur. And we'll we'll go through them album by album here in a second. But let's talk about ourselves, because everybody, that's what they tune in for, right? Uh, exactly. has to be. Eric, how did you discover the Deftones? Or how did they discover you? I was actually uh, thinking about this. And even though I've never seen them live, I actually have a pretty long history with them um around about 97 um i just moved back to sacramento i have this one friend this like gothic kid and him and i are going crazy for industrial music he's a few years older than me and then his girlfriend breaks up with him and somehow he he stumbles on adrenaline and he shows me seven, seven, seven words. And that's his breakup. Like, like that's his anthem. We listened to that on repeat as I fucking followed him around his apartment complex in Rancho Cordova with a boon box is he just fucking, <laughs> yeah, just like wrapped along with it and just pissed that his girlfriend broke up with him. And, uh, <laughs> you were holding the boom box. Yeah. And walking yeah, around. yeah. I was like, <laughs> I had some wine coolers yet. <laughs> you were the flavor flave to his Chuck D this whole nonsense. Yeah. 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 And he's, yeah. Yeah. Just, just follow. Yeah. So then at some point the girl got back with him. So he gave me that CD. He didn't need any more. So I <laughs> had adrenaline at that point and, uh, and you know, mouth. yeah, enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, I, I enjoyed it, but it didn't like, I knew they were local and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but wasn't following him super close. And then when around the fur came out, I remember it was like, was at 90, what was, what was that? 90, 97. Yeah. yeah. I was a junior and I got my driver's license and I had some friends that didn't. And, uh, you know, a uh, friend of mine from high school, uh, Aram Deridorian, who played in a lot of local sack bands and, um, 
he uh he and i were hanging out and uh, he had me drive him to the fulsome dimple records to pick up that album and we just listened to it and drove around all night and uh and i was so impressed i had to go ahead and buy it myself the next day um and i definitely followed them for the next three albums like very closely i never you know obviously the timing was never right to see him live for me um but i knew they were doing something that i really appreciated and i was in a weird like flux with music in general then i was like kind of move into more like rap and, and, and stuff, but they're there. You can't really deny the pure songwriting that's happening on those albums. So um, I was, I was in it. Yeah. I was, uh, like I said, corn was my inner. I remember very specifically at my parents' old house buying corn right before he moved. And I would have been like right around when I got into high school. And that first corn album to me was just like, Oh wow. This, I can't remember where I heard about corn from, but I got that. I got that first album somehow. And I just was really just impressed by just it was uh, dark and moody and loud. And I just couldn't believe it. Around that same time, soon after, I, I, I read about the Deftones in the Sacramento Bee ticket section. Uh, for some reason, very specifically, I remember reading about the Deftones in the newspaper. And I started just being like, oh, cool. Another band that kind of sounds like they know corn is from Sacramento. That's cool. And I just always was impressed by that. And I bought, I bought, I bought adrenaline from Columbia house. Uh, one of the deals Got that same bundle where I got a King for a day full for a lifetime. I think melancholy, and infinite sadness. I can't remember. Uh, I definitely got Deftones from Columbia house though. And I was really impressed by how the album sounded kind of like, I don't know, quote unquote street. And this time I was spending a lot of time at my dad's house in fucking Stanford ranch in Rockland. So it didn't take much to seem like you're from the, the streets to me. And, um, I just, I just really thought it was cool that they were local and I saw them. It's hard for me to think about the first time I saw them. I saw them a few times. I'm probably mixing it up with something else. I, I went online to try to figure it out, but there definitely was one of those, like it was, if it wasn't the Heritage Music Festival, which used to be a yearly show at Discovery Park where local bands would play, like your Teslas, um, it was something similar to the Heritage Music Festival uh, where I, I saw them for the first time. And I just thought they were awesome. And I liked the fact that they were from you know, Sacramento when you're growing up in Rockland or Newcastle or Roseville. It's... It could might as well be a big city. It could be San Francisco to you. And I basically still, even though I didn't live in Sacramento proper until I was in my 20s, claimed it as my own. So I just really latched on to them then. And I, I think I saw them. Uh, I definitely did see them at the Crest Theater for the self-titled tour. And uh, saw them at the Memorial for the White Pony Tour. I think Glassjaw was on that one. And as Mark has uh, made a joke about, they gave him to the king of the city. That they gave the key, the key to the city, to the Deftones of that show. And what'd you say, Mark? What, what, uh, the fucking the Riddler get him or something? <laughs> Deftones catch the Joker. Uh, yeah, tour 2010. Uh, I love seeing you know the, the memorial. They gave us the signal. Very, <laughs> it was really fun seeing him at the memorial because I feel like it's a very special venue to Sacramento. Um. And uh, I saw them at Cesar Chavez Park at some free show for the uh, Saturday Night Wrist. And that was it. I haven't seen them in over 10 years. 
but saw them a good good handful of times uh, in the late '90s and early aughts, and I liked them since I was a kid because they were from the the city that was almost a big city to me. So, yeah, yeah, I I, I will trace back the origins of me getting um, a copy of I think Adrenaline uh, by way of first getting into Corn. I think I got into corn the same way that I got into a lot of music back then. And that was through um, uh, a friend, an old friend who happened to be my uh, sister's boyfriend. So I heard that, I think in some like interview, uh, they're like maybe recommending the Deftones or maybe it was... Uh, that friend who got me into corn to begin with uh, was also saying, yeah, you don't want to pay any attention to the Deftones. Um, but I think I heard either Bored, um, maybe one li- late on Alternative Nation or 120 Minutes, and I actually liked it. And so I think I did uh, pilfer it from uh, what's now going to be a coffee and tea place. And I enjoyed it. I mean, it sounds raw shit. It sounds like it was recorded um, on an eight track and it's, it's great. Uh, so it really scratched a niche for me. It, it definitely gave me a little bit of a different, um, just feeling it, it sound, it it had elements of punk had elements of metal had elements of hip hop, uh, and, uh, Chino's delivery, um, and just the really, really catchy riffs made me become a somewhat fan kind of more of a casual fan. Um, I, I considered mid uh, Deftones kind of mid-tier back then. Like, uh, corn is where it's at, baby. They're the gold standard uh, for this genre. And it was only after um, White Pony came out and I saw just all of the art artistry and was also really into Tool and having Maynard James Keenan uh, be on a, a track on White Pony, I felt it gave it some more credibility. Um, looking back now, I mean, I feel that Tool and Deftones are kind of equals. Uh, not so much like Maynard coming in to kind of pass the baton and kind of give them that uh, respectability. Not really doing them a favor. Not right. It was it was uh, it was equal footing. Exactly. Exactly. Because um, yeah, but to, we... but to us back then, I mean, uh, right around that time, uh, Tool and Maynard. And I'll talk about this more during Passenger. Had this mythical quality to them. Absolutely. And so having him show up on a song was like, oh my God, Maynard's here? Well, you know, I thought this was just an album, but apparently this is a religious experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, Maynard presence um, was almost at that time, for me at least, was almost as if you were having Trent Reznor on a track. And so, like, I just immediately, it elevated them. And, um, I've only seen them once. Uh, it was during the Crest show. Uh, I had an opportunity to see them a second time uh, before that that show. Uh, it was at a festival show. I either think it was a 98 Rock uh, organized show that was done over in Wheatland, um, California. Excuse me, Wheatland, California. And Chino had the Deftones had to cancel uh, because Chino apparently just shredded his vocal cords um, where he couldn't sing. And yeah, they had to cancel a quite, a, quite a bit of that tour. Yeah. Yeah. I was very disappointed because that was the only reason that I actually, me and my now wife went to that uh, 
uh, show and we were just like, well, fuck, let's get out of here. I don't think we actually saw any band that day because um, we got the tickets for uh, Compt. Oh, yeah. And fucking Mar- Marysville. It's hot. It's, uh... Yeah. We were just like, get out of here. Let's get out of here. I don't want to see fucking Cold Chamber. Yeah, that, that, that amphitheater, like that amphitheater is in the middle of nowhere. You drive there just to see a show. It's uh, it's talk about being in the cornfield. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I saw a couple of Ozfests there and uh and nine nails and eric and i saw motorhead there with uh, uh who was that iron maiden and uh, ronnie james dio that's true that's true and we and we crashed a, a warp tour there one time and watched the transplants the deftones are actually thinking playing a show with iron maiden over in the uk this year um, good some download fest uh so uh, yeah. yes download to every band and its mother all those big festivals are coming back with a vengeance now, and it's gonna probably they really are. That's probably gonna be everyone's gonna regret it. Where's the uh, Nine Nails is playing in Daytona Beach? Is that, is that what I saw? <laughs> yeah, Deftones are playing there too. I know. Uh, but yeah, that's my personal history with the Deftones. After White Pony, it was just a rocket ship ride. I did um, kind of uh, stop paying a little bit of attention to them uh, around the time that she died. Uh, so when Diamond Eyes came out, um, I was not as into them as I had been before with their self-titled record and White Pony and Around the Fur. Um, and so they just kind of became like a passing oddity, like, oh, yeah, whenever I'm feeling nostalgic, I'll listen to some Deftones. Um, so I didn't really follow them religiously, and I don't necessarily know the back of my hand, like anything post um Saturday Night Wrist onward. Uh, I'm not as familiar with those records. I've listened to them quite frequently, and uh, especially in ramping up for this episode. And they don't have a bad album in them. Um, yeah. I, it, just those first four for me, um, they hold a little bit of a closer place in my heart because nostalgia is a hell of a drug. It's interesting you say that because I, I go in the other direction. Uh, I, I love those first four as they came out. Um, actually the first three Saturday Night wrist. I kind of looked at it a little bit out of the side of my eye when it first came out, but then diamond eyes came out. And I remember, I remember very specifically when diamond eyes came out being like, Oh fuck. Yeah. The Deftones. And I, I was in, I was in the mission district in San Francisco and saw like a paste up for that album cover with the owl. And I was like, I am in the mood for the Deftones. I'm ready. And I, I really dug that album when it came out. But then the next one, uh, the, the Koi No Yokan album. I completely, I didn't even know it existed until Gore came out. And when Gore came out, I was like, oh yeah, the fucking Deftones. I'm ready for some Deftones. Oh shit, I missed an entire album. All right, well, I'll listen to both these albums <laughs> and uh, like both of them. And then uh, Ohms, I just thought I was, right, I was I was in the right spot for that one. It seemed like a new album coming out during quarantine by a band that's legitimate with music that actually suits a strange global emotional event was a perfect time for that last record. But uh, yeah, I've come, I've been more in than out, but uh, yeah, I've always dug the band, always respected them. And then after this run through for the white pony episode, they'll be, uh, they'll be on a lot of playlists, Eric, the, the general discography overall, how, how closely have you followed it over the years? Uh, pretty much the same as, as Mark. Um, although I think, I think I picked up, uh, Saturday Night Wrist from the library and 
uploaded it to iTunes at the time and then didn't even like, I, don't, I think it was maybe years before I actually listened to it. Um, and uh, there's no really excuse for that. Um, I liked the self-titled album and I was into them and, um, you know, things, things happen and, and they just get kind of, I guess, uh, compartmentalized in a, like Mark said, in a nostalgia area and, uh, some of the new stuff I slept on and, um, I have been nothing but, uh, impressed by getting caught up on their newer albums this for this project. Well, Mark, should we go through the albums, uh, briefly here? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Well, Adrenaline. Adrenaline's the one that started it all in 1995. We talked about that one quite a bit. We all got it in one way or another, be it from a a mail order or following around someone with a boombox. That was the the one that we got introduced to. And uh, I think Adrenaline is a good record. I think it holds up to this day. When you do listen to it, like Mark said, it's very raw. Um, Of the time, maybe. But I think it still stands up better than, I mean, like I said, I do enjoy early corn, but if I heard really early corn for the first time now, probably wouldn't enjoy it much. That album, I think, has some moments that you can enjoy outside the vacuum of nostalgia. It was recorded by Terry Date, who produced a few of their first records. Terry Date was a metal producer. I think besides the Deftones, he's most well known for Pantera. Um, it was recorded in Seattle, came out in 1995. Now, the singles off that one were uh, Seven Words, uh, Engine Number 9, Root, and the song I remember them for the first time I heard them was a board. What are your guys' general opinions on Adrenaline, Marcus? I really uh, think it's a great debut record. Um, I mean, yes, it doesn't have the dynamics that the uh, future uh, catalog has, but I think it's it lays down some really good train tracks. Um, I, I mean, it Chino's vocals, it certainly sounds like he is singing, and I, I believe it's it is accurate that he is singing from the same mic that he uses when he sings live. And so it doesn't have that like in the studio feel to it. It feels like an, more of like an, in the garage or in a, like a rehearsal space feel to it. Um, but there's some really great songs on here. I like, I like that second to the last track quite a bit. Um, fire all. I think it's, I don't know how to really pronounce that correctly. Uh, um, that one's really good. Seven words is a classic, uh, board it uh it takes its time to get started uh, but man once it like kind of unleashes its power and you have like kind of that back and forth between chino's vocals and steph's guitar work solid good just good stuff i love i love board i that song is one of my favorite deftone songs i just love that song in general uh when i first heard it uh, that opening dun 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 i just it gets it would get me then it gets me now and then yeah where the the guitar opens up and the da 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 
even then they were still showing that they had this like dynamic range. Uh, even, even in that raw form, uh, board is awesome. I, I dig board. I mean, seven words, the way that it starts, it sounds like you're ready to like get in a fight. Uh, oh, yeah. so yeah, seven words. Uh, actually, if you go to the third verse where he just goes full on rap, like he's kind of rapping the whole time, but in the third verse, he really embraces it. Uh, you kind of see rap rock uh, being incepted. I mean, unless you want to count, you know, the judgment night soundtrack, but um, you, you kind of see it, you kind of see it being uh, incepted in that verse. It's, it's pretty, and it's, and it's good. I mean, he, he has skills and um, I think one thing we didn't mention, and maybe we are not the people to mention it, but there, there is a cool, like a multi-ethnic quality to the Deftones um, that I think yeah, I, I think, think I think I think we're allowed to mention it, Eric. Yeah, but I think I, I think it. Well, oh, of course we are. But I I, I think I, maybe, maybe other people can speak to it better. But I just think it brings in influences and maybe soul and groove, um, you know, from the uh, Latino community and you know some of the other backgrounds that people are bringing to the table. That um, uh, I think it benefits the sound of the band for sure. Yeah, they're definitely not just a bunch of white guys. Uh, there's some uh, Asian American heritage in there. Definitely some uh, Latinx heritage. Right, right. Um, yeah, and also I do think that. Uh, yeah, I, I think on I think I think Chino was a better rapper than a lot of the other new metal guys, and they don't even do that for many of their albums. I mean, they kind of abandon it on the fake first track of white pony that we'll talk about later. Like right. that's the end of the rap. Yeah. I think that, I, I think that maybe four songs tops. They even use it. They even utilize it, but yeah. And I yeah. still think he's, he's much better than a lot of the other guys out there. Um, and you hear some of that on adrenaline for sure. Uh, so our, our preferred songs off that one for me, it's uh, the easy one for me. It's bored. Uh, what, what are your guys's uh, root 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 and seven words? I think are, are, are bangers. Yeah, uh, board seven words, uh, fire all, um, and uh, um, yeah, those are those are like the, my go tos. But the whole record goes down super easy. I mean, you could put that on, and you, you I don't, I don't think there's a track that you really are skipping. No, I think I, I and I think most Deftones albums are hard to find skippable tracks, and I'll have a thesis statement at the end about how they're the special band that you can put on and focus, but also uses background music. And it's not a detriment. It's, it's strange. Um, two notes to adrenaline. One is that at the, it was big news at the time. It was Maverick records. Madonna's label signed them. Uh, Maverick wasn't around forever. And if you go Google Maverick, there's a lot of other ridiculous bands that run Maverick. Uh, Paul Oakenfold. I, was it Seven Mary Three or Candlebox? One of the two. Can you remember? I think it was which Candlebox. One? Candlebox. Okay. Yeah. Candlebox. Candlebox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for a minute, Marilyn Manson was on uh, Maverick. I don't know how that happened. I I remember a story that uh, Rancid almost signed to Maverick, um, and they ended up not. But apparently, when Maverick, um, at least during the '90s, when they were uh, pursuing you as an artist, they would send you a topless photo of Madonna. There you go. So that's according to. According to Rancid, that when they were when Maverick was uh, approaching them, it was it was through a, a Manila envelope with a topless photo of Madonna. So there you go from her so, sex book. Yeah, you don't gotta. Yeah. You know, now you don't. Or, or we just or we just watch Body of Evidence. Yeah, I think sure. Fat of the Land was re- released on Maverick too. 
yeah, Prodigy, Prodigy record. Yeah. yeah. My uh, my grandfather, who's still with us. God, he's old, but he's still here. Uh, he had a loss in the fire, unfortunately, but he used to have VHS copies of a lot of movies, and one of them was Body of Evidence. And boy, did I <laughs> did I sneak that one away. Yeah, sure. Got to watch for the Willem watch Dafoe Will- scenes only. Well, Willem Dafoe's uh, O face, yeah. <laughs> making these faces as hot wax is poured on him. Oh God. Very similar to his portrayal of the green goblin. No, say it, <laughs> say it. Um, so another, another note of adrenaline to Steve, who always brings up machine head wherever he can on our podcast is that during the burn my eyes video, or no, I'm sorry. The, uh, not burn my off the album burn my eyes the the video for Davidian, um, which is filmed in Oakland, California. Uh, the Deftones played like a warm up show for the video, and some of the photos from Adrenaline's liner notes are from that uh, that show they played. So it's all tied together, man. What happened? What happened next with the Deftones and their discography, Mark? Then we get. Uh... What some would say could be potentially their best record, um, but uh, I, I, it's it's a hard it's a hard choice. So, around the fur came out in 1997, and uh, it had incredible. Yeah, I mean, this really was almost putting them on the map. Uh, Be quiet and drive. My own summer. Shove it. Uh, these were two monster monster singles. Um, I remember seeing that they got pretty frequent rotation in the MTV playlist. Um, also produced by Terry Date. And it really just amplifies and like uh, just increases their uh, their artistic credibility. And they are still a little bit branching out of uh, new metal. And I think they've got Max Cal- Cavalera from Sepultura on one record on one song called Head Up. Um, and I remember where I think when we saw them at the crest, when they did play head up, they pulled someone from the audience up and the guy from the audience like fucking crushed it, uh, singing the song along with Chino. It was, uh, it was a really cool, I don't know if you remember that, Steve. Uh, now that you mentioned it, I do. That's awesome. It was, of course he remembers it, it was Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I did not know the words say. to head up, uh, but, uh, that sounds about right. The critics liked it a lot. Um, Be Quiet and Drive uh, Far Away is uh, one of their quintessential songs. Um, I personally really love, you know, the title of the, uh, the first track on the record, My Own Summer. That was also featured in the Matrix movie, the first one. Um, Be Quiet and Drive Far Away, that's a great song. Uh, Die the Flu is amazing. Lotion is great. Um, this this album is just chock full. I mean, it is really hard to find something that is just doesn't work. Yeah, for me, uh, the the title track is tops it's it's a top five deftone song for me um uh, and that, that has that that drum beat that it's got a it's just got a, a drum beat like i uh, in my head if i sit at a drum set i'm going to try to play it it's going to sound like shit but i i feel like i know it well enough i could try it um 
And it's got, you know, one of the, one of the last, you know, rapping moments. Um, and it's, 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 it's a great album. Um, it's the first time they've got the production value to really elevate that ambiance that in between the raindrop space they, that they're so good at. Um, between the cover of the, the girl in a bikini sitting in a spa um, and the songs about summer, it, I feel like it captures and, and forevermore. I will, I will feel summer feelings when I listen to Deftones. Um, and I love yeah, that this album is too, dropping. Huh? Yeah. I, I love that this album is dropping at the beginning of summer. Like, like this is uh, yeah. I, 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 it just, it just works for me thematically. It's funny um, you mentioned that because yeah, the, the album cover does remind you of the summer. It's a girl from a top down shot is one of their, is Steph Carpenter's friend from Seattle, apparently at a party. They got her rights to use the photo. Um, it's God, I, I don't know. Like, it's not a bad photo. It's good for what it is, but it sums up like the late nineties so well. It's ridiculous. That, that photo it's a uh, yeah. spot on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't look crazy to be there. Uh, it's funny because my little brother allegedly went to high school with Chino's little brother. Um, not McClatchy. Um, and, uh, Apparently, the little brother had a lot to say about this girl on the cover of. Oh boy! But th- it was it was from Seattle, so I'm pretty sure that's all. I'm pretty sure that was a lie, but um, not from Sacramento. But well, yeah, like you know, you know what's interesting is that we all knew people growing up that would tell obvious lies just to tell a story, just because they wanted to have a story to tell. And now we see that all the time with the people that uh, deny reality to tell their own uh, beliefs, air quotes. So. I don't, you know what? I, I don't think it's that shameful for that kid to make up stories. About no, sure. No, sure. Sure. That shit's in vogue. Yeah. It's in, it's in vogue to lie just to tell a story. Yeah. Well, at the but time, I, I at the time I loved the, this album so much when I first heard it, when my friend bought it, I bought it the same weekend. I, 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 I think in retrospect, and I'll get to this in more in White Pony, if, if I, and I'm only doing this because we're, we're a critical podcast. If I had any faults in some of the early work, there's a sophomoric, element to some of the song themes and i'm not i think it's debatable whether whether that's a bad or a good thing yeah uh um and i think it's pretty apparent on this one um and and i'll talk a little bit more about that in white pony because it just definitely shows up on that but um uh they're doing something amazing on this album and there's it's no it's no question it's chock full of bangers it's it's good yeah, I don't remember when I got this one. I remember that uh, when I saw the video for uh, Shove It, I was gobsmacked by it. I was like, oh, the Deftones got a new song, and it's one of the most aggressive, crazy, good things I've ever heard. I mean, Shove It's just that opening, the the the, ba-bop, the opening drum into that riff. You just, it's just, it sounds perfect. Yeah, and then like yeah. the, the, the back and forth between the screaming and singing that that was the point like on that track where you heard his screaming and then his crooning you didn't do that on adrenaline really as much and you were like oh they can do both things these guys are cool and you had the video with the with the, the jaws motif uh, all of it together was just awesome i mean and also the fact it was called my own summer to your summer your summer feelings you know
Yes, right, right. And and you talked about the BAP snare, and I and I just want to mention it. We we talk about it briefly on the sack rock thing. That might that was kind of a definitive sound locally. Maybe it was it was country. Right? I have no idea, but it was tightening your snare drum, so it was like a pop when you hit it instead of a. And uh, I feel like maybe Sacramento's partially responsible for Saint Anger. But yeah, no, that song is so good. That riff is so good. And then. Yeah, the, the two singles off this album are just definitive, man. I mean, Be Quiet and Drive, that's the song that pointed in the direction they can go in where they can know how to use atmospherics. They know how to use space. Uh, it's melodic and heavy at the same time. I'm pretty sure the video was filmed underneath the Capital City Freeway somewhere. Um, for some reason, the Be Quiet and Drive gets lumped into, and actually a few other Deftone songs, get put into the same bucket as the same uh, space as the first two Weezer albums for me. Is that crazy? The first two good Weezer albums, like songs like be quiet and drive for some reason. There's something there, man, that reminds me of the Weezer songs. I like off of Pinkerton and the blue album. Yeah, maybe, but it, maybe it's that repetitive fretwork or something, but I don't know. It might be. I, I don't know. Uh, Weezer knows how to let a, a note ring sometimes before they became a weird bad pop band. Um, be Quiet and Drive is great too. You can't, you can't, everybody loves that song. And in that video, Chino really starts developing his, uh, he likes to sing with his hands. Like he's orchestrating some kind of a orchestra that's not there. You see that whole thing going on? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, he's that, a great that, front man. He oh, loves yeah. to splash in the puddles in that video. Yes, he does. And uh, yeah, Labia is a good song. Mascara is a great song. It's a great album. And it's got, it points, I think Be Quiet and Dry was a, a future vision to where the band could go. Absolutely. I mean, if anything, I think there's a, a, a through line to Be Quiet and Drive to uh, change in the House of Flies. Um, at least my brain thinks so. I can see that. Um. Yeah, no, around the firm. Uh, I, I have to know. Um, so a while ago, Steve on his personal account had posted a poll. What's the better record, around the fur or white pony? And I, I'm, I'm curious. How did you vote? Uh, you know, let, let's uh, tell the people. I was white pony. I was white. Po- I feel like they grew up a little bit and um, they mastered some of the big swooping things they were trying on around the fur. So I, 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 I'm a little bit more in the white pony camp, um, but that doesn't mean, I mean, around the fur was a big album for me. So at, at the, at, at, you know, it's funny, Mark, is that at the time of that poll, I put around the fur, me but too. I've changed my, I've changed my boat. Me too. <laughs> me too. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that our wives, uh, uh, who my wife loves the Deftones as well. And she, she put her vote with white pony as well. So yeah, my wife does not like the Deftones, but which she said, whenever anybody played white pony, she was very, she was like, it was a very satisfying album for her. She was very okay with it. So, um, as, as far as like, you know, her, she's coming from like being a massive cure fan. I think she saw the parallels. I found an interesting note of around the fur is that the, uh, Terry date was assisted by Matt Bales on production. And he would Matt Bales would later produce Mastodon, Isis, and Botch to name others. And uh, I can definitely see a uh, a connection to all those bands, kind of. You know, the the Deftones they had some hardcoreness going on, like the Botches, but uh, Isis. I mean, obviously with Palms, but 
the Deftones really start to let things breathe a lot, like later Isis. And then uh, I think Mastodon, uh, the, the Mastodon was definitely a band that did their own thing and has never, never suffered for it. And I think the Deftones are the same way. Yeah, they went on that tour together titled Black Diamond Sky with Jerry Cantrell. And uh, yeah, that was for the record um, when they went on tour with Diamond Eyes. But I think we should skip over White Pony because we're going to be given that a little bit of a discussion later. Yes? Yes, we should go right to the self-titled $2 million album, The Deftones. Wow. Yeah. The Deftones, their fourth record after they did White Pony was under the working title Lovers. It eventually just was a self-titled record. It's got a pretty cool album artwork. I'm kind of a fan. It's got the roses and the uh, the skulls. It kind of looks like a uh, motorcycle club back patch, if you will. Um, I think it kind of, I, kinda, I think it kind of represents the band. You know, I, I a, do. The, ro- the roses yeah. kind of give me a Grim Fandango vibe. Along little uh, Dan, the Dan. De, de los Mortos. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so this is the record that um, was released after Chino um, got Team Sleep out of his system. And uh, Abe did some work with Fallacy. They released an independent record. Um, I think it, it's, it, Team Sleep was around at this time, but this album came out in 2003. So I'm fairly certain Team Sleep came out later. But it was... It, it was starting to like be like they were playing shows and uh, putting it get together, right? Yeah, Team Sleep was almost like the Tapeworm Project um, that they were putting out shows. But um, in terms of actually releasing a product at that point, I think you're right. It was just it kept getting delayed. At one point, Mike Patton was going to be on the record, but then he wasn't. Um, and uh, the members from Pinback are certainly very prevalent on Team Sleep's record. Um, but yeah, looking at the timeline, I can't remember if it, Team Sleep actually came out after that. Yeah, it came out a year later. Okay, all right. Yeah. But yeah, they were touring because uh, there was kind of a hiatus period between the Deftones and this record where Chino was you know, touring with Team Sleep, DJ Crook. My general thoughts on uh, the Deftones uh, solo record or self-titled record is, is fairly pretty high. I felt that they were taking and capturing some of the elements that they did on White Pony and kind of putting it into a little bit more of a... I mean, I see what they were trying to do. I mean, they were really trying to one-up themselves, and I think it didn't necessarily work uh, because White Pony was just a huge monster of a record. I mean, that really uh, just projected them into the stratosphere. And following up a really hit record is kind of a very difficult task, and I think that's why it was their most expensive record to date. They recorded in Sacramento, I think. Um, uh, I think they were using their little rehearsal space. They turned it into a place called The Shop. Um, And I, I think they were recording in all different places. I think they went up to Seattle. I think they went down to L.A., yeah, the, the place in Sacramento is called The Spot. But, or, I'm sorry, in Sacramento. And then, yeah, Studio X in Seattle. And then uh, Raby Sound in Hollywood. You know, the songs that really stand out for me, like Hexagram, it really just starts out with a bang. I, I, I love that song. Uh, Minerva, my God. Minerva is something that is a uh, amazing song. Such a strange love that it brings my 
Agree. That's a hell of a single. That video where they're in the sand dunes, just minimalistic but uh, powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great songs off this record. Moana, I have a big, um, big fan of that. Battle Axe is okay, but When Girls Telephone Boys is fantastic. Um, I think this is a pretty consistent record, to be honest with you. It may not be their best, but I do think that they were certainly trying to like more and more experiment and really, really trying to get out of that new metal. Even after White Pony, they were still labeled like these new metal, like you know, darlings, and they're really like, let's try to like transition into art rock, art metal. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh... I think they really started to really capture like turning into the Radiohead of metal, as some people would later mm. label them as. Mm. I uh, I bought this the day it came out, because um, I was I was just primed to love it, and you know I did I did love it. Um, uh, I agree with you on Hexagram and Minerva. I also two other notable mentions are Death Blow and Lucky You are songs I enjoy. Lucky You I feel like was like a uh, Team Sleep, but with his Deftones band playing the music. Um, I don't. This one doesn't rank in my top. It doesn't rank in my bottom. This one kind of get gets mixed up in the middle of Deftones for me in my rankings. Um, I feel like. What works about White Pony is every song takes you on a, a ride of peaks and valleys. And on this, every song is kind of stuck in its own dynamic. So you still get the peaks and valleys, but it's just, you know, one song is huge and loud. The other song's quiet. Um, once again, that's not a detriment necessarily to the to the album in itself. It just is not as dynamic to me as essay white pony if you're going to compare them um and i just think there's less of those those song hooks those melody hooks on this particular one um that being said uh i don't really imagine anybody listening to it being disappointed yeah no i don't totally agree with your assessment eric um i think it does have more peaks and valleys and it doesn't just stay peaked but uh i'm not sure i might have to go listen to it just for that at times, this has been my favorite one. I, I, I did buy it right around when it came out too, uh, back when we lived together. I, I just uh, I think that the, the two singles, like Mark said, are standout tracks: Minerva and Hexagram. Uh, I remember when they played both of those live at that Crest show. That was like some of the loudest goddamn music I've ever heard in my life played live. It was uh, insane how loud it was, um, in a good way. And uh, I feel like Hexagram is a perfect follow up to White Pony. Like all the bloops and bleeps are still there, but it's uh, it also reminds everyone, hey, we do guitars big time and loud.
soundscaping still kind of prevails. It's, it's interesting. I think Deftones self-titled really starts to show that ability they have to be loud and not abrasive at the same time. And sometimes in the same songs, in the same notes. Like a lot of bands can be Mogwai. They can go loud, quiet, loud. Deftones started to figure out how to do both the same, both of those things at once. And I think you see it on this record quite a bit. Um, just like a lot of like My Bloody Valentine guitars washing over you, but with the intensity of ISIS. Just a, I think it's awesome. It's an awesome blend. And um, I, I feel interesting enough, uh, the, that, that track, you know, the, uh, uh, what's the, what's the one? I get them mixed up actually. Hexagram in Minerva. What's the one that talks about God bless you all. God bless Minerva. You yeah. I love that chorus. I love that. Uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, sincere, but it sounds very uh, appreciative and you don't get a lot of that in music. <laughs> so um, it's a, it's a, it, it packs a wallop. And uh, I think uh, Abe Cunningham's drumming's drumming is produced very well on it. And it's just, it's a great track in addition, or a great album in addition to the singles. You've also got Bloody Cape and Battle Axe, which I think are awesome. And then you've also got uh, <laughs> Death Blow, which makes me think of Kramer talking about the fake movie Death Blow in Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> and, that, and that track, Death Blow, I specifically bring it up because it has a great moment that has like a pause before they really rock out. And that's something that Neurosis perfected. Like Neurosis calls it like the Neurosis note or something. I love I it. I think the Deftones do that a lot. They have like the Deftones moment. And a lot of their songs will have a pause and then they'll kick your ass. And you really get that in Deftones. And on some tracks, it sounds like there's a melodica, which I'm always here for a melodica. So I, I, I like I like Deftones. It, def, it, it, it sounds like. Hey, we're the band that did White Pony. We're not going to do White Pony part two, but here's a bunch of little parts that would have fit in white pony crammed together with, uh, some of the louder shit we know how to do. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly around that time, they also released that, uh, covers record, the B sides and, uh, rarities, uh, kind of, uh, I think it was, I wouldn't say it was a box set, but it was like a two disc that also contained a DVD. Um, uh, that was really that, good. That, I, that, that shot a cover, man. Shot a cover is amazing. No ordinary love. Um, and the cover for that cars song drive is also extremely well done. Uh, I like, easy. uh, the cocktoo twins cover. Um, only because I've, I've been for I, a lot of cocktoo twins has been forced on me in my, uh, my, uh, ethereal fairy forest existence, uh, in my family life, but, um, it's wax and Wayne. Uh, that is one of the more catchy cocktoo twin songs considering all of the, most of their lyrics are imaginary much like cigarettes but that that particular song uh is a is a good little pop a uh, little uh good little uh, uh celtic pop great cure uh cover too i think uh from the album kiss me kiss me kiss me uh if only tonight we could sleep i think that's the name of the song um yeah they, they, they I, I love the ability of them to really go genre bounding. Like we're not just going to just do metal covers or punk covers. We're going to do something that you wouldn't expect. And they do it in their way that um, stays faithful to the original, but definitely has the Deftones spin on it. So I, I do respect that when a band can do that. Uh, point of order. The B-Sides release is not the covers album. The covers album came out in 2011. It was a record store day thing. 
but I think it mined from the B sides. Uh, that record store day thing. It wasn't necessarily a cash in, but I think it was just like let's do something special for record store. Probably. Day. And they wanted to release one more album with a strange picture of a woman with a mask on it. Um, (laughs) Stephen Carpenter wouldn't like that. (laughs) And uh, they, yeah, that that covers album is, is fun. Um, I like the cover of savory, which I believe was a far song. I was never, never really got into far, uh, which was like a heresy from a, uh, the Sacramento person. Sure. But, yeah. No. Same. Same. Yeah. Only. Only so many years of my life. Um. I. I like that song, Savory, though. And also, that cover of Simple. Was it Simple Man? Uh, Simple Man. Yeah. He does a hell of a uh, a version of that too. Yeah. Which was actually like recorded before Adrenaline, apparently. So 2006 was Saturday Night Wrist, correct? That's correct. Yeah. That's a uh, that's that's our friend. That's produced by our friend Bob Ezrin. That's right. Uh, well, it was a little bit, but then I think uh, things got off the rails and they had to bring Sean Lopez in from uh, guitarist from Far. You can't you can't you can't you can't get you can't get much different than Bob Ezrin and the the guy from Far. I mean, you've I got something happened. You got there. you're 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 going all the way back to uh, Alice Cooper and Pink Floyd to uh, you know Naked Coffee uh, fucking coffee lounge guy from Sacramento. Apparently they went through four or five producers. At some point, Dan, the automator was attached to it for one week. Um, that, and that, you know what? I'm not opposed to Dan, the automator producing some beats and, and Chino scening over it, but, uh, maybe it doesn't work for a Deftones album. Did this, did this album work for you at all, Eric? You know, it did. It did. Um, it's, it's, it's lower on the chart, but only because, um, my uh, the few the two, two times I listened to it straight through, my focus couldn't really lock in except for a few tracks, and uh, and then reading about it more, it seemed like that was the case for the band too. Um, but uh, you know what, I did like some songs on here quite a bit. Um, um, I did like you know what Mark referenced earlier, the the hole in the in the earth is a yeah the single off of this one yeah. Yeah, the, the single's fantastic. That's that's a that's a good track. Um but uh you know, Cherry Waves has Chino doing some of his best vocal work ever as far as like definitely doing some new romantic stuff. And uh the the up up down down left right left right AB select start, which we all know is the contra code. Um that is like in some weird shit. Like that that could be like um like new career in a new town, like instrumental, like uh, very weird instrumental post rock stuff. Like that that song is fucking cool. Um, there's there's some moments of some real inspiration on this album, which does you know for me I have to respect that. Yeah, this one was filmed. It was recorded in 2006, or it came out in 2006. It was recorded, I, I think, for a few years. I mean, uh, the carriage house, the spot, the hangar, the airport, Morning View house. That's uh, five different studios between Connecticut, Stanford, Burbank, and Malibu, and I think it—I think it's their most disjointed album, and which is weird because even though it's disjointed sounding to me, it also is their most. Uh, for some reason, when I put this album on, it's really, really hard for me to distinguish one song from the next. Uh, I don't know if that's on me as a listener not being in the right headspace for it, but out of all the records. It, it might be my least favorite, but that's kind of like saying 
I mean, like this or Adrenaline, actually, but my least favorite Deftones albums, like saying, like, what's my least favorite piece of pizza? It's all still pizza to me. It's still a good record. Uh, I, I, I think I bought it when it first came out, and I just kind of, like, let it collect dust. I just, something about it from the start was not was not doing it for me. But going back to it in the last few years, I think I was unfair towards it. Uh, I think that Hole in the Earth is a good song. But uh, I think also it's got some sleeper hits on it, like Kim Dracula is a great song. And uh, Xerxes, yeah. Yeah. Xerxes is a really good song. And another track off of it that was the other uh, single besides Hole in the Earth, a song called Mine. And spelt like Romstein would spell, spell it, Mine. Great song, upbeat track with a great video with a bunch of great things. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good album, but it's not my favorite Deftones album. But you can definitely see more of the Cure influence and more of the lush melodic influences on on this record, I think, than some of the other ones. I I think like with, with the Deftones, you always kind of want that heavy and ethereal battle to take place and to lock into like the, the perfect spot on this one. I think the ethereal takes over too much for me. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I do think that this was probably one of their most disjointed records in their entire catalog. Uh, I think it's just indicative indicative of the kind of tension and stress that was really playing out between all the band members. And I feel yeah. that uh, the record really just, by having to go through all of these producers, they were really having a difficult time cracking the code on this one. And, you know, when it first was released, I don't know if it was starting to uh, have me just get out of that particular sound, um, you know, as I was still kind of exploring and expanding my own musical taste. Maybe I felt like when I first heard this, it just wasn't doing it for me. Maybe I was kind of concerned that uh, Deftones had hit their peak and now we are going to see them now on the downslope, um, whether that be just the personal, uh, I guess, problems that they were all were having with each other. And Chino was, I think it's on record that he was really going through uh, his drug and alcohol addiction and his marriage with his first wife was crumbling. So I don't know. I think the band itself was probably in the crossroads of just figuring out, like, um, can we continue to do this? As, you know, they've hit their taste of fame. Uh, their self-titled record didn't sell very well, and I think that they put a lot of pressure on themselves to really like, okay, that was our like attempt to potentially, you know, continue to grow and mature. But maybe our uh, audience isn't ready for that. All these new fans that we picked up uh, with uh, change in the House of Flies. Maybe it's time, but we kind of go back to something that could be. A little bit more accessible uh, to what our fans were used to and potentially help grow that fan base that came along with us but I do think that um, it's not a bad record by any means I think uh, after revisiting it I think that um, I was kind of falling asleep on this one in the sense that not recognizing uh, the, the quality that is on here the Kim Dracula the uh, up, down, left, right, that whole thing. I do like the fact that that's pretty much their first instrumental. I think that's pretty cool. Some reviewers have said that's kind of a scratch track that should have been maybe have left to like a team sleep or a side project. Bullshit. I like it, I yeah, like it a lot. I, I, you know, you know what's interesting you mentioned about that? And we'll talk about team sleep at the end of the, the episode too, tonight. 
don't know if it's the album cover similarities or the fact they came out around the same time, but I I always lump this together with Team Sleep as almost a double album. And that's not even, it's not terribly fair. I don't think they sound that much alike, but there's definitely some echoes going on between the two of them. To me, I don't I just, I can't get around it. I, I don't know if it's because, they, you know, uh, they have a lot of album covers or, or like videos and album covers that have women in various states of undress between Around the Fur, Team Sleep, this album cover, and then uh, that covers album. There's one more. Anyhow, uh, what, what, what was my point? I don't know what my point was. My point was that uh, Team Sleep and Saturday Night Wrist to me are, are connected somehow in my in my brain. No, I, I do agree with that. I think that um, just the songwriting style, it is starting to bleed through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad record by any means. I, I would probably put it towards like towards the bottom of the ranking. But again, uh, just like you said, there is no such thing as a bad Deftones record. Um, no, there just isn't. Yeah. And I, I saw this. I saw this at the Cesar Chavez Park show. And that was a really fun time, and uh, Hole in the Earth was a great live. And Alternative Press for this album, uh, they said something that I, I loved. They said that the Deftones have cornered the transcendental metal market. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect for them. Transcendental metal. I love it. So. No, I believe it. I believe it. And so after uh, Saturday Night Wrist... Uh, they were about to start a rec- uh, recording for their next record, which was going to be titled Arrows. And Terry Date was going to be uh, the producer, but tragedy struck. On December 9th, 2008, uh, Chi Chang was in a really, really bad car accident. And um, he was put into a minimally conscious state. And He was driving home from his brother's wake too yeah. like just to add like layers to the tragedy yeah and he was driving with his uh sister i think um anyhow he wasn't wearing a seat belt car accident happened i don't think he was under the influence by any means and um he was actually like ejected from the car um that and it was it was not looking good i remember around that time and it was just like is the deftones gonna break up um, but they brought in uh, Sergio Vega, who was a, f- a friend of the band from Quicksand, and they played some shows, but they essentially scrapped Eros. And some of the songs, I don't think, you could probably hear one song on YouTube, but I think maybe even the Deftones had to pull it down. It was called Smile. Um, I don't think any material from those sessions has ever seen the light of day. They, they keep teasing that they would like to find a way to release it. Um, uh, just just to capture that last kind of moment with uh, G, but yeah, yeah, I don't, I, you know, it, it's uh, it's interesting circumstances of that record. I find it highly, I think it's the height of respect to their fallen band member that they didn't just like piece it together and put it out, and they they just a whole other album came out of it with Diamond Eyes. They started all over. I think that's uh, it's, it's pretty cool of them. I mean, if they if they end up putting it out one day, I don't think it's considered a cash in. I think I mean everybody probably like to hear it. I'm sure it would take a good amount of work to get it done, and um, yeah, you know, I'm sure one day it might it might come out. And if it never does, then that's uh, yeah, it was never meant to be. 
but the fact that they just started all over and they said no, it wouldn't be right to just put, rush this out now. Uh, it was pretty pretty cool then. Yeah. Um, so then Diamond Eyes came out in 2010, um, and uh, you know I was kind of paying attention a little bit. I was they were still on my periphery to Stephen's point um, when you know, I was ready for some new Deftones. And when I think I first heard the song Rocket Skates, I think that was my first introduction to Diamond Eyes. Yeah, but Rocket Rocket Skates is an insane song uh, for a single. That's a loud, fucking a great, aggressive, crazy song. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think uh, this record does have um, some songs that kind of take me off guard. Uh, Diamond Eyes, great first track. Royal is brutal. Um, You've seen The Butcher. I, I, I'm a big fan of that track title. I, oh, same here. I, I, mean, yeah. I made a note of that. That's a... I mean, it reminds me of, uh, you know, the movie Delicatessen or some shit, but uh, sure. I think it's, that's, that's an awesome title. Um, Sex Tape is a good one. This Place is Death is another. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, honestly, um, Diamond Eyes is, they're, they're certainly trying to establish themselves that they're ready to carry on um, despite having to deal with the tragedy. They, they still want to be a more of a unified unit. And I feel like this record is more of a cohesive record uh, versus Saturday Night Wrist. Um, and again, came out with critical acclaim. Yeah, it did. I think it's definitely a return to form. I've got a, 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 quite a few things about this album that I like. Like I mentioned earlier, when it first came out, like I I was walking through the mission in San Francisco and I saw some paste ups for Diamond Eyes. And I think it's a cool album cover with the owl. And I was just like, oh, yeah, the Deftones. Well, shit. So, yeah, I'm ready for some new Deftones. And uh, yeah, that track Diamond Eyes is just punishing. Uh, it's got just just crazy, just you know, riff melded with some soaring choruses, which is their bread and butter. Um, but I felt like the blend of the melody and the crunchy riffs was just done in a way that was uh, even for them. They get better and better. I think as the albums come out in their second half of their career, they've gotten better at blending the melody with the crunch. Uh, that song Royal was awesome that you were saying. And uh, what's amazing about uh, Royal is that like, it's, it's super heavy, but then as a chorus, it's worthy of Flock of Seagulls. It's, it's, again, they can they can mix it up so well. Uh, like I, I, I feel that sometimes when I listen to them, Chino's ability to s- sing and scream, he doesn't sound at all. It's probably the first time anyone's ever mentioned this these two names. He doesn't sound like Ronnie James Dio at all. I'm not saying that. Ronnie James Dio is a god among men. May he rest in peace from. But Ronnie James Dio's ability to like hit notes when he needed to that fit the moment of the music. I feel like Chino Moreno can really fit the moments of the music very well. And you get a lot of that on Diamond Eyes. Does that make sense at all what I'm trying to say there? 
that for each song he can find the right modulation of his voice. He might not be doing something special, but when he needs to reach for that extra note, he can without it tearing the whole song down. When the coffin shakes and the need Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. To the point where it sounds like it's, it never sounds like, um, vocal exercises. It, mm-hmm. it, uh, it, uh, it only services the music. Um, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I feel, I found a lot of that on diamond eyes. Uh, I felt the Prince was a great throwback to the old school sound on here. Another great song and back to rocket skates and something I've been trying to bring up all night. Um, the bird call. Have you, Every once in a while, Chino does like like a Ric Flair, like, woo! And you hear it, you hear it on this album, uh, you hear it on Rocket Skates. And then if you're listening to it and go back to their discography, you'll notice that he does a lot of woos and bird calls on like at least once an album, I find. Uh, Please tell me I'm not the only person that noticed this out of the three of us. I mean, I, I notice it a little bit, but I don't feel it. It's ever present on every song. If that's no, not, true. not every, not okay. every song. Okay. I think like once an album, you'll find it. I, I didn't associate it with a bird call, but he does do little flourishes here and there that I appreciate. Yeah. I feel like there's like cat calls or something going on that, uh, like you, you definitely, once you notice it, you can't miss it. And there's, it happens on a, a rocket skates for sure. Um, and then that song you mentioned, the, this place is death. I mean, I, I feel like that song could be a Mogwai song. Uh, one, one, even one of the one, one of the few Mogwai songs that have words. Uh, this place is death. Kind of g- gets it there for me. Um, uh, I, I like that album quite a bit. I feel like uh, after, I, I feel like it's a Saturday Night Wrist is kind of a detour, and I feel like Diamond Eyes is a good follow up to the self titled album. What do you think, Eric? Oh yeah, I I mean I agree with you. I think in this run, uh, for whatever we reason, I could tell it was more consistent than Saturday Night Wrist, but it didn't have whatever the few highs on Saturday Night Wrist was. So uh, this one landed in my. I need to spend a little bit more time with this one, but I do. You can tell that they're redefining their sound because they have a new you know a new member, and um, uh, I think it is promising it is very promising more so than than saturday Night wrist and they have a new producer too uh nick rasculenses i can't even pronounce that name can you guys do that for me did i, did I butcher that uh i i'll allow it i'll allow it i, I don't see it i don't see it in front of me so i can't uh oh uh the producer nick rack rasculin yeah we're just gonna go with that great nick r nick <laughs> yeah. r uh He'll be on a couple of uh, other albums that we'll discuss. But yeah, he produced produced this one and he's done work with some rock bands like the Foo Fighters and Stone Sour and Alice in Chains and Velvet Revolver. He's a rock producer with a capital R. Well, the uh, the production works for the some of the new sounds, like I said, that kind of new jazzy bass that that uh, Vega brought to the table. But what's next? What's the next album? Next record would be Koi no Yokan. And, um, you know, this was the one that was kind of uh, 
just kind of tucked in there for me. Um, didn't really get a lot of fanfare. Uh, came out in 2012. Um, unfortunately, the 2013 was the year that Chi Chang, when he uh, made a partial recovery, came back home and he ended up dying in his uh, hometown of Stockton, California. Uh, he had a cardiac arrest. And unfortunately, he may have been uh, cognizant of his surroundings, but unfortunately, it wasn't wasn't meant to be. So rest in peace, Chi Cheng. Um, but Koino Yokan, I think it's a translation from a Japanese uh, uh, phrase called premonition of love. The album cover is actually one of my favorites. It's very minimal. Uh, it kind of looks like you're inside going in, either walking into a spa or something. Yeah. You know what, you know what it kind of reminds me? Uh, a hotel It kind of reminds me yeah. of that scene in Skyfall. No, it's okay. close. Skyfall, close. yeah, yeah, sure. Skyfall, where he goes up the elevator and he's fighting the guy in the in, in the neon lights, and for some reason it reminds me of that. But also, I like the font of it, and I I think actually Deftones, if you go through their albums and look at them together all in a row, they have really good fonts. They're 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 aware of the fonts on their albums. Yeah, I, I do like their art direction pretty pretty well. Um. So this record has some like really strong songs. Uh, the way the album begins with Swerve City, uh, it's got a hell of a guitar riff. Uh, the song Leathers is great. Um, the song Tempest is an absolute uh, Vince McMahon from WWE fa- uh, falling over into his chair action. I, um, I couldn't explain it. I couldn't say it better myself. That uh, that is that meme come to life. <laughs> was, <laughs> really, those other songs were like his face going like, okay, yeah, sure. And then yeah, that that uh, Tempest is just you can't galaxy brain quality. Yeah, um, it it may not be their strongest record, um, but man, it is a sleeper record. I feel like this one doesn't get written up enough. Um, it's 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 good. It's I, very I, good. I agree with you. I, like I said, I didn't even know it came out until I listened to Gore. Um, and you can chalk that up to uh, just being older. Uh, you know, once I hit my 30s, I didn't pay attention to shows as much, new music as much. Once I had a, just, once I started having kids, I only have two. But, I mean, there's no excuse for this one. My son wasn't born until 2015. But still, my, my brain was headed in that direction. Uh, for whatever reason, I just didn't even, like, didn't even know this album was around until a few years later and when i discovered it i was so happy that i was able to learn about gore and at the same time this record which uh sometimes i know we're prone to hyperbole in this podcast but there have been times where i i feel like this is my favorite deftones and a lot of that is just I, i feel like they continue as i said before to cultivate their sound and I think on this one, they again managed to strike the the melding of quiet and loud together. But with a, I mean, even that album cover kind of speaks to the place that this album is. There's a mysteriousness to this record that I like that you didn't get as much on some of the other albums.
a lot of that might have to do with the fact that they they, they discovered some kind of a new recording technique with something called the Fractal Audio Systems Preamp Effects Processor. That's a mouthful. And they were able to, like, in hotel rooms, like, lay down some sounds and just start manipulating sounds quite a bit. And I, I think that there's a lot of sound manipulation on this album that works well. There's a lot of uh, use of space that you don't get as much as some of the previous records that they've like they were attempting to do and they got even better at it on this album. And uh, Sergio Vega even said that like the, the, the way they went about this was very organic. And I think you can hear that in this record. There's a sense of uh, organic to it, but it's still a good Deftones album. It's still very heavy. It still has a sense of melody. And uh, yeah, Swerve City is a killer opener. And uh, I think the song Entombed is very pretty, actually, and kind of a life-affirming track, kind of like some of those songs that were on the self-titled album. I like that. But it gets super high watermarks for the song Tempest, which I think might be my favorite Deftones song. Uh, The first time I heard it, I thought I was in a movie watching two planets collide. I just couldn't believe how awesome it was. Uh, It's one of those tracks for me that when I hear it, the beginning of it makes me very excited knowing what is to follow. I just, uh, I think it has a great sense of rising action and building. And it's just, uh, it's just a motherfucker of a song. I, I just, everything about it, the way everything just collides and the way that they use uh, echo effects on the vocals to make them just go, just echo out into eternity. Uh, earlier this week, I, I flew to Texas and back in one day for work. When I was coming back, I was looking out the window at uh, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, landscapes of just, you know, those weird, like, uh, not weird, but I'm not used to them here in California, like mesas, like flat topped mountains. And just looking at that shit in the canyons with that song playing was uh, perfect. It was almost like they wrote that song just for that moment. I just, it just couldn't, can't be beat the, the epicness of that track. Um, very atmospheric and epic record. I dig it. Not a lot to add, um, but this one is one of my favorites of the Deftones. Uh, they are taking the what I said was promising about Diamond Eyes and mastering it on this. Um, Chino's going into a new territory with his singing. And uh, all the songs you mentioned are on my list. I think the only one that I haven't heard yet was Goon Squad, which I think is a fantastic song as well. So... There you go. Poltergeist is another good song. Yeah, no, I mean, um, like I said, there's a uh, chock full of good material on this record. So, it, was a, it was another one recorded by uh, our friend Nick Ruskinez. And this one was recorded at uh, Paramount uh, uh, Studios and American, Americanian Studios. I can't even pronounce that either. All right. Um, so yeah, and then in March 2014, um, Chino Moreno did uh, create a new side project with Sean Lopez and uh, another guy, can't remember his name, uh, Chuck Doom. And that was the Project Crosses, where he really wanted to throw his kind of synth, dark wave, Depeche Mode elements into a record. Very good, uh, but... Then at, right after that, 
they released Gore, and that came out in, uh, I think, 2015. Yeah, that sounds right. 20, it came out in 2016, which is weird because either oh, 2016, way. 2016, there you go. 2015 or 2016. They waited. This is, you know, probably a Steph Carpenter thing. Who knows what kind of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, strings he's pulling together here. But the album is a, it, it's a, it's an album that all tells a story of the dystopia that would have been if Al Gore won the election in 2000. <laughs> I don't know if you guys picked up on that from the lyrics in the album. But that's, that's what it is. I mean, I, I don't know if, uh, I went there in my interpretation, <laughs> but, um, uh, I remember reading that Steph Carpenter described it to Rolling Stone saying it's, uh, Morrissey playing Morrissey to the guitarist Meshuga. So I could see that. You know, it's that funny works. About that one, you know, what's funny about that one is, uh, that Steph Carpenter's gone on record is that's his least favorite one for whatever reasons. And to me, it sounds like another great Deftones album. It doesn't sound like there's no guitars on it. I, I don't get it, but, uh, uh, would you? Would you? Uh, I've got a bunch of other notes about Gore, but would you? Oh, I, I fucking love Gore. Gore was a, a pleasant surprise for me. I'd never listened to it until this. Um, and the guitars are not, with some exceptions, not doing metally stuff. They're doing proggy, reverbed out, uh, jazzy. I guess King Crimsony. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, Steve. You're the expert, but I feel like there's some they're 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 going into different realms on this on this particular uh album uh you know the 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 phantom bride song sounds like a <laughs> chino's tapping into some bono like on that that's some like screaming from the rooftops u2 stuff and i you know what maybe that's my gateway to u2 because i i i i thought i was caught up in that that swooping moment it was great prayers triangles awesome uh the uh the xenon song i mean listen this this thing is full of, like they've they've matured lyrically uh conceptually and then musically uh i don't know maybe it's a little more math than than metal i don't i don't know what what steven's complaint is but um not you steve but uh, uh mr carpenter but i i i quite enjoy this uh this album you say that eric because uh gore which was uh produced by uh, matt hyde in uh, 2016 and uh, recorded at megawatt and studio city studios which we've talked about before and matt hyde is also uh he worked on uh the koi no yukon as an engineer but also of note he produced the album power trip by monster magnet and he mixed the satanist by behemoth among, among other things um, but this album, I did actually make notes that for some reason, this record is very, uh, math comes to mind. Uh, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but 
there's like a lot of shapes and like the sound of shapes to me on this record. And I mean, that's not just because there's a track on it called Geometric Headdress to me. There's something about it where just shapes and triangle. Okay, well, there's also a song called Prayers Triangles. All right. There's a lot of shapes and geometry on this record. You're right. <laughs> Whether it's right there yeah. in the names of the songs. That's uh, it's, well, it's I think the, the guitar is like almost building your angles and and sides around you you're you're stuck in the perimeter i don't know i don't know, that, that you know it's, it's, it's speaking of which though speaking of prayers triangles speaking of hearts wires uh dating back to i think team sleep they started using like commas and parentheses and slashes they have a lot of weird song titles have you guys noticed that throughout the years there's a lot oh, yeah. of uh like weird you Things know sometimes there's also yeah and this one amplifies it yeah I, I, I'm a I'm a sucker I'm a sucker for that stuff. Like that will already make me like a song better with a good title, like a good marketing title. It's 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 really unfortunate. There's um, there, yeah. That, there's also like sometimes borderline, uh, like Blade Runner or uh, Batman Returns, like mutant speak. Like that was sure it's, it's interesting. <laughs> but it, I, I like I like Gore a lot. Like I said, that was one where I. I was like, oh, a new Deftones is out. And I was like, oh, and I missed the whole album. And I listened to them both at once back in 2016. Um, I, I think it's a very soaring album. I think it's very vast in scope. Um, I, 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 I don't know if it's just the fact that there's birds on the cover or something, but just things flying around really just is how this album sounds to me. And I, uh, I'm a big fan of that. Um, Another great record. I it's got a couple of classic songs on it. The Phantom Bride is like a game changer of a track. That's a great song title. The vocals on that track are some of my favorite. There's a very Smashing Pumpkins vibe to it coming through. And that will be the last time that I mention the Smashing Pumpkins when it comes to the, the Deftones. Um, and, and the Phantom Bride also has something that the Deftones do, which is there's a moment where they kind of unlock the second half of the song. They do that quite a bit on some of their best songs where you're listening to a song. It doesn't sound incomplete at all. And then they just do one little thing, you know, one weird trick and the song just opens up and becomes that much more expansive. Like they turn the light, the floodlights on and you can actually see the entire song. Uh, Phantom bride really does that for me. Uh, I, I think it's another just great album. And, uh, the title track has some percussion on it that I really wanted to name check because like I said before, Abe Cunningham's a great drummer, but I didn't always appreciate him. And there's songs like the title track on this one where you're just like, my goodness, this guy's a great drummer. So I, I'm, I'm a Gore fan. What do you, what do you think, Mark? Yeah, I agree. I think this is probably one of their most expansive records um, in terms of uh, just really letting their experimentalism not so much get bogged down. Um, I feel like at this point in their career, and I think even this point in the, re uh, the record industry, I mean, if you're selling like maybe 50,000 records, that's actually considered a hit. Um, and so I think that there's a little bit more of a creative freedom that is on, on them. They've certainly matured. You could see them really, really, really pushing their sound into this new era. Um, because then if you look at their next record, I feel like they've even mastered that. Um, yeah, they're just they're they're really just maturing and growing their sound and being able to be a little bit more expansive and uh, not so much just being just 
pigeonholed and being like a metal band and certainly the whole new metal label is really i feel shedded at this point oh yeah that's that's long gone and i don't even think metal is appropriate they're a they're their own they're their own sound at this point they've uh they've mutated into their own thing post metal and they even got a they even got jerry cantrell on that phantom bride song and they even released a beer after that song right yeah, um, I think uh, Belching Beaver, um, the brewery, uh, did Phantom Bride and Digital Bath. I think those are the two releases that they had a collaboration with the Deftones. San Diego Beer Company. I mean, we've got we've got literally three thousand beer companies in Sacramento. One of them could have, but I know. know exactly. Give it to give it to San Diego. It's fine. It's fine. They had the distribution. I bet. <clears throat> sure. Sure. That gets us to Ohms. Ohms. So yeah, uh, it didn't re- uh, get released until last year. Um, it was released September 25th in 2020. It been essentially been worked on since, I don't know, 2017, 2019. And uh, this is the one that, uh, you know, I have to say they're at their peak. Um, what, what was your impression of Ohms? Oh, I, 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 yeah, I like this one a lot. And this, this was one that I listened to when it dropped after not even hearing this stuff in between the last two albums. And, uh, I was really impressed. And now for this project continue to be the, the songs like ceremony Pompeii, Jesus, that song's fucking amazing. Uh, the link is dead. Um, you know, they're, they're just kind of take, they're just, they keep building on what they've done before. Um, Chino's maturing as a vocalist. Um, it never feels placating to any kind of pop expectations. Um, as you know, I, there may be a few albums in the past where one could say that, but this is his own thing. And, um, yeah, it's fantastic. It, 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 I, I, it makes me excited for whatever they do next. Yeah. Th- this record. So Terry date came back and produced it. And uh, it was recorded in Hollywood and then uh, the Trainwreck studio in Seattle. Seattle takes them back to their very first album and a few in between as far as studios go. Man, I gotta tell you, like this record when it came out, you ever notice that sometimes bands that never go away, the hype machine just clicks right, and so their next album coming out is just like everybody's like, oh my god, they're putting a new album out, but you're like, well, the Deftones never went away. But okay, and that's how I kind of felt with this one that everybody was like, holy shit, the new Deftones is gonna be great. We know it is, and everybody was right. Uh, I feel like all the albums kind of lead up to this one. Some of the best albums of long-running bands encapsulate everything that band can do in one record. I feel like Ohms does that. I feel like if you go through it with a checklist, 
maybe with maybe you're not gonna find a uh, parallel for adrenaline, but you're gonna be able to kind of like put the pieces together to how they got here, and just this I think this is totally like the best they've ever sounded. Uh, it's not all their best songs, but I feel like it's the best they've ever sounded and crafted songs together. Um, very similar to how Mastodon's Emperor of Sand to me is not many people are going to say that's their favorite Mastodon album. It's my favorite one, but the reason I love that album is because I feel like it's everything Mastodon's ever done. They managed to make a gumbo that sounds like that record. That's perfect for them. Uh, Ohms is the same way to me. Um, I, 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 I listened to it the weekend upon release. I really was looking forward to it because I feel that uh, the last weird year, there wasn't a lot of new records coming out. I think like this and run the jewels Four were like the two big releases that I could think of that came out during the, those weird times. And that made me appreciate it even more. Um, I mean, song specific moments that are amazing. Like the track ohms, it opens up with like a new pneumonian, a Gary Newman, like synth little exercise there that I, that I, that I dig. And, uh, yeah, like the, the track, uh, Urantia is, it has like some upbeat jams going, going through it, but at the same time has their ability to be very heavy, heavy. The track called the spell of mathematics. It's a great album title or I'm sorry, song title. I'm sorry. And then the, the lyrics are very Matt Pike style. Um, but the second half of that song, and I don't know if you guys remember that song specifically. It's another Abe Cunningham just uh, tour de force, and it also reminds me that uh, that Steph Carpenter does like Mashuga. Uh, it's it's a great song that that spell of mathematics, and specifically the track that kicks my ass the most on this record is the closing track, which is the title track. Uh, the song Ohms, to me, it sounds like if Deftones tried to become the band Rush, which. It's perfect. I love it. I love Rush. I love the Deftones. Deftones trying to do a Rush song. That's what the uh, the title track sounds like to me. It's a fun. It's a fun closer song too. I actually think if they stopped making music, which I doubt they're going to do right now, but if they stopped with this one, I'd be like, hey, that's all right. They went out on top. They didn't want to mess it up, so they stopped here. That's that's how much I, I think this is a uh, album worth uh, checking out. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that um, I essentially picked out the same sort of track list um, that you indicated are some of the highlights of the record. Uh, I love how the album starts with Genesis. Great, great song. Ceremony also continues that. Spell of Mathematics is, uh, you know, like you said, a great song title, but also just a great song. Uh, it includes another Sacramento uh from Death Grips, Zach Hill is uh, providing some additional finger snaps, apparently on the credits on that one. Uh, but the way the record ends with Ohms is is uh, quite something. Radiant City uh, is also very good. Um, but yeah, there's, I, I mean, this album is is very good, and I can see like to your point. Hopefully, they're nowhere done, but you can see the direction they're potentially going into whether they're being um, influenced by his work in when he was working with palms, which, you know, ISIS definitely can take you on a journey. Um, you know, the members from ISIS and how he collaborated with them on that small little EP record. Hopefully we'll hear more from that uh, 
side project, but I'm wary that's probably not going to happen. Um, but I do see just them expanding their sound. I really like um, the Deftones being able to kind of keep things under a five minute mark, but still give you kind of an epic journey on their songs. It's uh, it's quite a little trick that they're pulling on their last two records. Yeah, they're like they're they are definitely architects. They they take a look at what they can. They have a a building, and they try to make it as interesting as possible within the confines of that structure. And they manage to pull it off more times than not. And uh, they've come such a long way from the ranting and raving of a uh, board. Uh, it's just, it's pretty awesome how much that band, this band has evolved. And it, it's fun that, you know, I, it's a band from, uh, you know, close enough to our hometown to where we say it's a band from our hometown. That's a band, yeah. band that can do this much crazy good stuff to where I already dig them. And then the fact that they drank the same water we did is, is pretty fun. And also the fact that by all accounts, Anybody we know uh, has nothing but good things to say about the guys. Uh, there's other local bands that have become big that you hear about them and you're like, whoa, that guy's an asshole. Um, I remember very specifically a run in I had with a lead singer of a band named after a dessert at the Flame Club. And I couldn't believe how much of an asshole that guy was. And, uh, you know, yeah, sure, they went the distance, but uh, that doesn't mean he gets to be an asshole. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, but was yeah. he wearing his Gilligan hat? He no, he was wearing a trucker hat at that time. But <laughs> um, it's too bad. I'm sure that Russian guy would be very disappointed, or that German right. guy about the rising. Yeah, doesn't you know? If only I can go back in time, and be like, dude, you know how many times I've referenced one of your videos in my podcast, and he would say, "What's a podcast? It's 2004." Um, <laughs> yeah, Ohms is Ohms is great. The Deftones have a long history of pretty awesome albums. I mean, the one that we weren't sky high on is still some bands would kill to release a Saturday night wrist. So. Yeah, no, that's for sure. What about a a quick, a brief discussion of the side projects, Mark, what do you uh, team sleep? What do you think of them? So team sleep, I thought that they absolutely killed it live. Um, I was a little less enthusiastic about the record. Um, They've only released one record uh, self-titled to date. Um, I was expecting a little bit more. Um, When we saw them live, I remember they closed out with a cover of a Smashing Pumpkins song. The airplane flies high, turns left, looks right. Um, That was was a hell of a moment. It was so cool. Like dig up a dig up a demo or uh, I'm sorry, a bootleg of that. If you can, it's uh, it's worth finding. I, I love the original version of that song and having them cover that song was fun. That was something. And Chino, like he, he was feeling the audience. It was a very intimate show and he was bantering. He was talking just about like, we're going to do some new Deftone soon. And uh, I'm fucking with team sleep right now. And uh, I think Zach Hill was the drummer that night. Um, yeah, he was. No, he very he he definitely was, and that was back when I was in the throes of my uh, Hella fandom. Yeah, and uh, good stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a uh, good good drummer. Team Sleep is uh, good. Um, Crosses is probably my favorite of Chino's side projects. Um, it just has like uh, it just it speaks to me. There's the song Telepathy. 
off of that oh, yeah. record is unbelievable. Mark, I'm right there with you. That's to me, that's the best of the side projects. It's um, uh, it's infectious. That 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 album. Um, I think Team Sleep was too sleepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I well, and I like. Yeah. And listen, listen, I like I like down tempo and I like trip hop. And I know that at that time he was trying to do a little trip hop. Um, but the just the hooks weren't there. I, I also uh, think I, I also think that was what, you know, it was supposed to be sleepy. Had, sure. It, it was never supposed to be the, the, the fact that the guy as big as big as it did was just because the guy from the Deptones. But, you know, right. I don't think sure. it was supposed to yeah. fill out auditoriums. I no, no. That, that Crosses album was better than I expected. I didn't expect it to be bad, but uh, it's it's up there. I wasn't gonna play tonight, but I can't help the feelings alive. As long as you play my game, I'll let you For whatever that genre is supposed to be, it's up there. And, um, to me, it reminds me of a Fantagram or churches, and that's that's what I call wife music. But uh, <laughs> like wife music, I like. And uh, yeah. my son's a huge fan of churches. Actually, he likes this uh, one song. Oh, I can't remember how it goes now, but he loves it. And I, I, and the churches lady is a big fan of the Deftones, and so I, I like that connection there. And I definitely can can see that Fantagram is kind of like her her style of music feeding back to. Uh, chino style but uh that that that... fantagram fantagram was interesting and we'll talk about them when we talk about the white pony remixes but they they showed up in a lot of uh like uh rap songs like they would show up and do the hooks for like uh a fair amount of like dirty south music which is interesting but um the churches are not churches god damn it crosses did a uh remix of dragula by Rob Zombie that I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Well, there you um, mentioned it. Eric, quickly, what is a uh, cross is what genre would you call it? Oh, I don't, I mean, I, Mark's right. And that is that he's trying to re- kind of recapture his love of, uh, Depeche mode and maybe some like dark wave. And I guess, um, and that's kind of had a resurgence in the last five years. Uh, so I think it would fit in that genre. Um, but it has enough, enough uh, other influences that it's kind of its own thing. So it's definitely not something called Witch House, correct? No, but you know, funny enough, I read a review where they claimed that Chino made a Witch House album after Witch House had died, and as far as I know, Witch House is still going strong. I, I enjoy actually some Witch House albums. Um, you see, this is just, this is just me trying to get Eric to explain to me what the fuck Witch House is. Because <laughs> I I am not you know and this, and it goes both ways. Like I could probably bring up some stupid genre of metal and he'd be like, "What? That sounds like jibber jabber, Stephen." Um, you know, uh, but, but what is Witch House? Which Witch House is like uh like a washed out lush electronic like but low like down tempo. But it's all like uh, witchy devil, like lyrics and singing. It's uh, the the vocals are actually more aligned with metal. The music's more aligned with uh, 
Oh, I'm trying to think of a good example for you here. But if you like really slow down like Crystal Castles or something like that. Holy shit. So it's basically that episode of Portlandia with Danzig in it. (laughs) On the beach? On the beach? Yep. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. There you go. A good witch house band, White Ring. White Ring, fantastic. They're very good. Luna 13, they've got some good moments. Uh, I'm not opposed to witch house. You know why? They enjoy uh, twerking some hip hop into like uh, devil witchy lyrics. And uh, I enjoy that. So. All right. Well, Sid, check, get back here for season six. You fucking opened a can of worms on that one, Steven. You know exactly <laughs> what you did. Uh, you know, did you guys check out the beginning of the end single that uh, Crosses released last year? I did. Yeah, it's good. Very good. Uh, the, the, the That band was already kind of like a Depeche Mode thing. And then. On that track, they're channeling Dave Gahan. I really dug it. Yeah. And then the last, uh, Palms. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little too, um, a little too dreamy for me. Yeah, I, I, better better on paper than in execution, I, yeah. I felt. Yeah. There was one track. There's one track on that album. Uh, track, track, uh, shame on me. I didn't write down the name. Track four on that album is what I wish the whole thing would be. But the major- the majority of it's just kind of and just meandering, and uh, you can tell Chino said this. They made that they jammed that music out, then they just sent it to him, and he sang over it. And I'm like, ah, all right. ISIS is one of my favorite bands. I got a fucking ISIS tattoo. The Deftones are one of my favorite bands. We've decided tonight. I think I would love to see Chino actually collaborate with these guys instead of just sing over their jams. So I hope they I hope they try to do something more in the future. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I was very excited about hearing that that existed. And then when it came out, I was like, oh, it's not bad. It's just, it, it's, I can't actually sit down and listen to the whole thing all in one sitting. I, I don't know what it is. Can't do it. It fits into that, that kind of background music uh, where at, at very worst, Deftones related stuff is perfectly pleasant background music. And, and I feel like this album is all of that. Um, when you, when you force yourself to really listen to what's happening, it's, there is some complex stuff happening musically. Um, but you're right. The vocals were an afterthought. Um, but it's not a waste of time. It's just not, uh, as engaging as, uh, Deftones and, uh, or like crosses. Uh, two more side projects I want to talk about. Uh, one is, uh, what's that? Uh, I cannot pronounce it very well and I'm Portuguese, so I should just, uh, get out of town right now. Sayudad. You guys listen to that at all? I never heard of it. No. Um, is that a Chino project? It is a Chino project with Chuck Doom and various artists. Ah, okay. Yeah. I think I did read about this, but I haven't actually exposed myself to it. So Soledad, is that, that's what it's called? Sayudad. I'm probably pronouncing I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. You know, my great grandmother could speak Portuguese to me and I didn't understand a word of it. But um, yeah, I uh, it, it, it's I, I listen to like a couple of songs. A lot of it, it's I think Chino's just one of many members that that are cycled through it. Um, I think Sean Lopez is part of that, too. Uh, Indie-ish. World music, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, worth checking out. And then, unfortunately, 
it's it's uh it's never it's never been released officially but kush k u s h kush uh <laughs> they never back in 2000 be real from uh, cypress hill uh-huh. Steph Carpenter and then and then two members of Fear Factory put a band together, and unfortunately we the, they never put anything out, so we can't hear how great Kush could be. I'm already imagining how great it could be. My goodness, I'd, I'd get down with that. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which side note? Speaking of be real, uh, Chino is on a version of a uh, rock superstar. Remember that song by uh, uh-huh. Cypress Hill? Oh yeah, and. Chino is on Chino's on dozens and dozens and dozens of people of, of bands songs. He guessed you got it. You want him to guess on a song? He'll do it to this day. Uh, just uh, way back to the, the new, the new metal days to today from uh, soul fly to seven dust to uh, the friends of the show, death Valley high to uh, every, everybody. If you, if you, uh, uh, method to mayhem, Tommy Lee, um, mm. Chino, Chino will come sing with you. Uh, I, I, I do want to say that of all the guest appearances, uh, the band that I am very fond of, Lamb of God. Uh, he's on a song called Embers, which I think is awesome. He comes in and does a vocal soaring breakdown in the the, the in the song, which I think is awesome. So. Uh, Chino, he's on a lot of a lot. He's a guest. He's a guest singer on many songs. That is true. Yeah, he'll he'll uh, he'll show up on there as a featured player. All right, so I think we have given the audience um, essentially quite the crash course in everything Deftones related. Um, so I think now is a good stopping point. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and yes. hit that pause, buddy. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to call it a night. And the next time that you hear from us, we are going to take you track by track into Deftones third record released in 2000 um, titled White Pony. So do yourself a favor in this uh, time off. Explore it. Listen to it. Make your form your opinions if you're not familiar with it or return to it if you haven't listened to it in a while. Uh, but as always, this has been Mark. Eric. And I'm Steven. And we are Pod Like a Whole, and we as always want you to be closer to Pod. Bite-sized chunks. 